Hello, it's another episode of the Gaming Memories Podcast, where I, Cade Call, a.k.a. the Gaming Prophet, he who hath been anointed by the gaming gods themselves, even Miyamoto, the father of Kojima, the son, and Carmack, the Holy Ghost, who appeared to me in prophetic vision, telling me if I would like to restore and bring back the one true gaming podcast, all I had to do was interview creative and interesting people about their favorite gaming memories growing up. But... Like many prophets of old, I don't always do exactly what the gods tell me and tell us that we're supposed to do. I got a little bit of a hypocrisy streak in me, so to speak. But that's okay, because I think today's conversation, the gaming gods would accept as part of the gaming gospel. About nine years ago, a group of friends and I started a tradition where, at the end of the year, we get together and we all come prepared with a list, curated list of our favorite games of the year why they're awesome, and why the group should try them out. This year, I decided to record it. It was a a four-and-a-half-hour meandering conversation, but with the help of Ashton Ruby, who is the fantastic editor of the also-fantastic podcast Retro Hangover, we got this baby boiled down to two hours-ish of just pure, dense, gaming gospel goodness. Essentially, the format is a guest will introduce themselves, and if they create content, some of them have YouTube channels, uh, they will give a quick pitch on the content they create, where you can find that. Obviously, all those links are going to be in the podcast description, and then they start with their number 10 game, and we take turns, and we go all the way around until we reach number one. Games, nonstop, all games we love, all games we feel like you, the listener, should try. I had a fantastic time having the conversation, and I would wager you'll have a fantastic time listening to it. That's it for the day. I say these things in the name of Miyamoto the Father, Kojimi the Son, and Carmack the Holy Ghost. Amen, and enjoy the show. Lauren, introduce yourself and what you, what you do. I'm Lauren, and uh, I used to play video games. <laughs> how many years have we been doing this we've been doing this uh Wild. top 10 video Six games or seven nine nine years nine oh my years. gosh nine years well I, I uh i don't know if i'm just getting older or what but i haven't been dedicating as much time to video games as i used to but i'm excited to be here um i'm a huge wheel of time fan especially of the books i've got a youtube channel dedicated to the wheel of time books and tv show uh amazon prime recently released season one uh the finale was a week or so ago it was christmas eve yeah my channel is called unraveling the pattern so if you're into the wheel of time check that out i got a lot of cool content for people who have not read the books and for people who have just watched the show and also stuff for people who've read the books so that's a little bit about me excited to be here thanks for have you done any breakdowns of the difference between the book and the show? I did one previous to the show coming out. I have many planned Okay. Uh, now that the show has been out, but I'm one of those uh, quality over quantity channels. So I don't make a lot of content, but I have a lot of ideas. But what he makes is really good. Yeah. You drop bangers. I, that is true. Yeah. Amen. I'm all right with that. I prefer that actually. Prefer it. All right. Next is uh, Reagan. I am Reagan. Hello. I don't have any streaming streaming content. I don't have any online presence. You know, I'm here. I'm Cade's older brother, older, wiser, better in every way. I have less <laughs> hair, but I'm taller. And uh, I'm, yeah, here we go. I do like games. I play less games than I used to, but I still find time. I still play some games. I got some things to say. 
technically you were the first episode of the podcast, but I botched the recording, so it never was released. <laughs> That's true. You're like, hey, bro, I'm starting a podcast. Let's let's test it out. Why don't you uh, let me call you? Let's figure this out. So we'll get back to it. We'll do it we'll again. Like, and you recommended me uh, what ended up being my top, my third to best game for the year. Nice. You, know what, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I don't really enjoy actually, it. but you know, I have Whatever. dementia. I'm like early onset dementia now, basically uh, like okay. an Alzheimer patient walking yeah. around. <laughs> yeah. Reagan, that's my brother. He's cool. You should listen to him because he's cool. Robert. Robert. Yes. Thank you. I am Robert Gibbons and I also have a brother on the call today who you will get to know shortly. He's an awesome brother. And that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I have no, I have no YouTube channel to speak of that's Not active true. that's active oh, okay but but it's still worth mentioning it's still worth mentioning my esteemed brother <laughs> steven gibbons will talk all about our bro v bro channel <laughs> he's part of a youtube channel but you, i guess steven will talk about it yeah i guess so you're up steven so we do have a youtube channel thanks to lauren but he stopped supporting our channel when his <laughs> he started doing the Unraveling the Pattern channel. So that's why we don't do YouTube content anymore. However, we have still streamed since then, but we haven't in the last maybe six months where we do a thing where we will r- both race through the same Mario Maker level and see who can get to the end first. And we figured out a way. There's, there's, there's a website called Multi-Twitch. And so we're both on Twitch, but it puts both of our streams side by side. Anybody can log in there and watch us in real time and make requests. Kind of fun. We haven't done it in a minute. But if you do, you can put out the notifications and maybe some people will come. Yeah, we should start it up again. Hence. I watched a few. I liked them. And then last is Steve number deuce. I'm Steve too. I don't really have an online presence either, except maybe some of my educational pursuits. I teach uh, part-time in the physician assistant programs at uh, Rocky Mountain University and Utah Valley University. I'm a robot uh, surgeon, robot assistant, ah. laparoscopic robotic surgery. And so I play video games to keep myself active and primed to operate on actual human beings. You actually need that hand-eye coordination that we always tell right. parents yep. when you're practicing. It's training, baby. It's training. Very true. <laughs> there was one uh, study that showed that surgeons who played video games semi-regularly actually did perform better in laparoscopic tasks than surgeons that never played video games at all. Yes. Interesting. So that's my education. I remember the first Dota International, the, the team who won, they accredited his winning to him being like a really good piano player. He was so good with the piano that he was faster with the keys in Dota, which which nice. apparently was enough to help him get that edge to win, which is insane. I do also play the piano and the organ. Mm. So he's the man with the hands. Do you want to like give us a rundown of your non-top 10 stuff real quick? So my not top 10 includes a couple of uh, games that, that actually were kind of, kind of standout surprises for me. The top of the list was was a really fascinating game called Oxenfree, which is available on pretty much every console, PC, mobile, uh, tablets. You can play it kind of anywhere. It's a pretty basic uh, 2D side-scroller puzzle game. But the thing that elevated that game for me up close to the top 10 was everything that was happening behind the scenes with that game. When the game came out, apparently an entire group of people in 2016 
that um, were getting into the game and they did a bunch of extracurricular stuff and found out that there were recordings within the game that had things like coordinates and dates. And they ended up finding out that the game developers had created a separate game outside of the video game for the people to discover using the characters from the game as if they were like hiding clues. And then when they went out in the real world, they did like geocaching uh, type things and would dig up clues. And then they would have to solve puzzles that had been buried um, in real world locations. And I just thought it was amazing that it, it was a different take on the augmented reality gaming idea, right? So Pokemon Go says, we're going to get people outside and they're going to interact with each other. And part of the game is you walking the streets of your own neighborhood. Um, part of this game, you know, they're, they're Easter eggs instead of just hiding secret rooms or instead of hiding, like, I don't know, Duke Nukem, like, you know, whatever posters inside different rooms or, or whatever. They actually ended up creating a separate hide and seek type game. And uh, there was actually a, a, a group of people, it was like 18 people or something, that ended up on some island in the Pacific Northwest, and they had a Discord server, and and um, they had pu puzzle solvers from all over the world contributing, trying to put this all together. They videoed Wait, the whole thing. and ended Real up people went to a happen. real island? Yeah. Yeah, because the game told them to. Damn. What was on the island? Is it Or is it still going? No, it ended. So th there was like a there was like a music box, and there was like old uh, films. They filmed the game it. Told me to as, murder you, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting into some creepy territory here with this stuff. That'd be the next step. That, that's a resident. It's a it's a Silent Hill, right? Like. What if no, they have like was, secret tapes of Ghislaine Maxwell and <laughs> <laughs> the secret fantasy island? Yeah, like that's, the oh that's the East Coast version. That's the East Coast. I totally version. missed at the beginning. What game was this? Oxenfree, which I've heard a lot about, but I just didn't know about this part of it. And by the way, Kate, are you smoking pot from some bag that you don't have to like light it up? Is that what that is? Vaporizers, the volcano. This is the creme de la creme. This is the luxurious. This is the Range Rover. <laughs> luxurious. <laughs> I, don't I was like, around. what's the bag? That's is that cotton, is that cotton candy? Sure. That's no. How is it, how is no. it Range Rover if you're getting high out of a Walmart bag? Yeah, that's a good point. That does not look like the creme de la creme at all. Well, that looks like drinking wine out of a bag. Looks sir. deceiving. <laughs> it is smooth. Yeah. There's a baby's bottom. The best uh, oh, coffee okay. comes in shoe boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know. It's the volcano. The potheads will know. The volcano is the, top the tier volcano. Shit. I'm pretty sure that's not the first game to do that. Didn't Trials do that? The game Trials? That the bike game? Yeah. I read some article, I think, a few years ago. Maybe I'm confusing it with another game, but I'm pretty sure it was that one. And they they have something buried somewhere near the Eiffel Tower is what people discovered. And they said, a hundred years from now, we'll probably be dead. We'll, there, we have put something in place to reveal, do the final reveal, but it's like a hundred years from now. Well, Although it's not like true. That. It's not true at all, but nobody my, will know because a hundred years that's from now, true. everyone will be <laughs> dead. Really I'm going to make a game where I say a hundred years from now, I want you guys to dig up underneath 
the Statue of Liberty, and your guy's going to find some sick treasure. <laughs> and I'll use it to I, sell the game, and there's nothing there, but who achievement cares? Achievement unlocked. I, yeah, exactly. I have to caveat that because it's been like five or six years, I think, since I read that article. I don't remember exactly which game or what the details were. So, you know, don't take me at my word, but something like that. Steve, cool. blast us through the remaining uh, non-top 10 candidates. Your, your honorable mentions. Honorable mentions, A Way Out, one of my favorite co-op games oh, of the year. I've seen people talk about that. Made by an absolutely insane developer, Hazel Light. Uh, they also came out with a new game this year I haven't played yet called It Takes Two. And I'm really I psyched. I also bought that game, that. but I haven't played it yet. Yeah, fantastic developers. I was going to ask you what you thought of the end, but I, well, is that too spoilery for those who haven't it's played too it? spoilery, I think, yeah. <laughs> I don't play, play it, it though. <laughs> play it, though. It's got, a, it's got a good ending. And most of his games do. I mean, most of his games uh, pay off really, really well. Uh, Yosef Fares is his name. Shout out to my uh, Arabic bros. American Truck Simulator was a game that I did not expect to enjoy at all because I'm not super into, into simulators, and I really hate trucking uh, in general. But I've really been impressed, and I got to say that it's my honorable mention for game that the developer just absolutely loves and is still developing and and probably won't be done with for another 15 years and as far as i can tell they're still going there's a a huge modding base and it's an an astounding active base for a game that sounds like it just should be the dumbest thing you'd ever want to do which is drive a semi-truck can we can we just ask why you hate trucking it just seems i'm not a fan of driving it just seems uh boring and the first states that they released were Nevada and Arizona and California. And California was pretty cool, but I was like, why would I want to drive across Nevada? I mean, Las Vegas is in Nevada. Yeah, but you don't Some drive crazy. through it, right? It's not a place to just drive through. We actually went no, that's deep true. down the rabbit hole for this game before you guys got on. He was going we deep did. into it. It was actually, he sold me on like the, the, the in the cleverness of the development and how they've compressed the roads. Like they have a different scaling factor for highways than cities, but it like mm. adjusts as you're driving seamlessly. Um, it's oh, I'm that. with you. It sounds like the worst game of all time. I hate yeah. driving games. So I'm with you. I, I just yeah, want to know your take. Cause I think it sounds stupid. Yeah, <laughs> no. And I, it, it, it sounds, it, it, it sounded absolutely ridiculous to me. And then I, you know, on steam, it's got overwhelmingly positive reviews. And I thought, Maybe these people know something that I don't. Well, Goat Simulator was like a top game on Steam for ages, right? I don't even know what that game's about, but I've watched I've my son play it once. It. It's really, <laughs> it's really stupid. It's fun. For, it's kind of wacky and quirky kind of game, but it, it, I was entertained for five minutes. I couldn't play that longer than that, though. We just we live in an era where you can't you can't say, well, it's really popular, therefore it must be good. I mean, we do understand that WAP won a Grammy, right? Everybody knows that. Yeah. Okay, let's just, that's the baseline we're living at right now. Whoopi cushions are popular too, right? They're just stupid. Hey, you take that back. Fair point. Fair point. Good point. So, Goat, goat Simulator is a digital whoopee cushion. Mm. That's a good way to Anything put it. Anything else on your honorable mention? Yes. Um, the last one, I think, is uh, uh, a very small indie. It's actually free. They, they don't even charge money ever for it. It, the, the title is about as long as the gameplay. It's called Dr. Langeskoff, the Tiger, and the Terribly Cursed Emerald, colon, 
the whirlwind heist. We're trying to capture you just by sheer use of words. <laughs> Google any of those terms, you might find their name. Basically, it's it's very much like Stanley Parable. It doesn't have nearly the branching narrative that Stanley Parable has. Um, it's about a one-hour gameplay if you play through it once, and then another hour if you play through it a second time. I would recommend playing the second time because the second time has a bunch of audio unlocks by the indomitable Justin Roiland of Rick and Morty fame. Hmm. And so this little indie developer managed to get Roiland on board to record a bunch of just goofy, improvisational, funny uh, little vignettes. And if you're a fan of Rick and Morty, it feels a lot like the improvisational kind of silliness of that. Um, if you like Stanley Parable, I definitely would recommend taking the hour to play it. Um, they did they did a pretty darn good job with it. It's a very basic game. It's got some terrible polygons in a scene where stuff catches on fire, but um, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Sweet. Is that your last honorable mention? Yes. Okay. Well, since you brought it up, I, I will take one minute and run through um, some quick honorable mentions. Um, there's two VR games that I played that didn't make my top 10 psychonauts and the rhombus of ruin fun VR game, a fisherman's tale, which my brother, Steven told me about, which was fun. There were two co-op games I played with Steven this year on PS five operation tango. And we were here both fun. And then a few other honorable mentions, shadow of the Colossus crash bandicoot four and super Metroid. Assuming that was Shadow of Colossus remake on PS4. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh man, remake. I'm surprised I didn't make it further up your list. I yeah. was mesmerized by that game. It may, I think it was my second or third last year. But anyway, I feel like when that game originally came out it was in the top three too. The PS2 one definitely for me was a, a big game. I never played the original, but yeah, I, I only played the remake. I never completed the original. But anyone else have uh, honorable mentions? I would just mention one. This year, I played Super Mario Land from the Game Boy, Super Mario World from the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins from the Game Boy, Super Mario 64, and then yesterday, my little son and I finished Super Mario Sunshine. So that's my honorable mentions. We've been playing through all the Mario games from beginning to, like, from when they were released. Uh, And so that's where we're at. That's a really cool challenge. I actually like that. Yeah. So last year, I think I told you guys we played Mario, Super Mario 1, 2, and 3, but those are the five we did this year. How many total Mario games are there? How many are you going to have to go through? Well, so in the Super Mario series, there's really not that many after this. There's one more. We're playing New Super Mario Bros. It's on the DS. There's a New Super Mario Bros. 2, two Mario Galaxies. There's a Mario 3D Land, a Mario 3D World. And then there's the two, one for the Wii and one for the Wii U. Yep. And then the Mario Odyssey. And Bowser's Fury. <laughs> it's not that many. Only like 10 more. <laughs> yeah, only 10 more. <laughs> It'll just take us two more years. Mario Sunshine is like one of the most challenging Mario games. And truth be told, my son is better than me in many ways. Sometimes I'm like, I can't do this level. I hand him the controller. He has to do it because he's better at games than I am in some ways. Mm, no, granted, some levels i better at, but he's getting there. And in some ways, like he, he, every time he'd correct me, we would, I would do a backflip in with Mario and he'd, I'd be do a backflip to get higher on the wall. And he'd say, it's a side flip, dad. 
Interesting. A lot of people uh, say that Mario Sunshine is the dark horse of the series. It doesn't get enough credit. It's actually it's really fun. Awesome. It's hard though. Yeah. It's a challenging game. We got all 120 shines though. I made it's... him do it the true way. So that's my honorable mention. Nice. Well, that's some commitment. Ten more games, and you got it. No problem. Ten more. All right, I'll do my uh, 10 through 6 real fast. Number 10 is a Chinese game called Bloody Spell. It's on Steam. It's basically like a Chinese knockoff of Dark Souls. A little bit faster, more like Kung Fu-y. Really awesome combat. Everything else is pretty terrible. But if you like the combat and the style, it's really fun. It's just like play through a bunch of levels, beat up a bunch of cool-looking bosses. I have no idea what was going on with the story. I just... Cool hack and slash. Bloody That's true spell. Dark Souls, though. If you don't know what's going on with the story, then you're playing a Dark Souls-esque game. That's kind of true. <laughs> um, I don't think that game, and it is translated to English, that there's an English version on Steam. Um, it did have like notes and items and things like that. It's definitely a Souls-like 100% ripoff, just with Chinese mythology instead of Western mythology. So Chinese motifs, like kind of demons that look, everything's just Chinese style. The, the, action, the action is awesome. It plays a lot like... Devil May Cry mixed with Dark Souls. It's pretty fast. It has a combo system. The action is good. The levels are just whatever. It's just forgettable. Like the world and all that. Everything else about Dark Souls, it doesn't have. It just has really cool action, cool visuals, cool combat. Number nine is Near Automata, which is another action game. Um, it probably would have been higher. It just was so hyped up by so many people. By the time I actually played it, it was awesome. It just wasn't the spiritual experience that so many people told me it was. But I could see how it would have been had I not been hyped up. It's You play it over and over again, and you you unravel more of the story and what's actually going on, and it gets more meta, and it twists in really ingenious ways. But the less you know about it, if you haven't played it, I don't want to spoil it, but if you like that idea and you like really cool action, again, very similar to Devil May Cry, less Souls-like and more like a traditional Japanese action game. Number eight is Guardians of the Galaxy. I think for me, it was just such a surprise. I, it looked kind of janky from previews. And I don't know. I was like, ah, I'll just get it. Let me try it out. And the, by, by the end of the first level, I had laughed like five or six times. The writing was good. Um, it's a straight single player, refreshing, tight, never overstays its welcome. Like every scene has good writing. It's just linear, but it's like playing a movie with cool action set pieces along the way. And the writing is really, really good. And they take the Marvel version and kind of twist all the characters. And then they twist some other things around. So it's familiar, like the Guardians of the Galaxy you like from the MCU. But they also twist the formula enough that I I didn't get bored. And by the end, I was like, it kind of became its own thing. It is kind of a janky game. It would probably be higher on the list. Plays really well, but it's just, I think I'm too picky. After playing games like Nier Automata, which is very few games are that tight. But it's still good. And then number seven, Ender Lilies, another Metroidvania. Every year I have some indie Metroidvania. It's a 2D side-scroller Metroidvania with cool aesthetics like Hollow Knight. Very similar to Hollow Knight, but you play a priestess who cannot do anything. She has like no attack power, but you can command spirits. And then you can command the spirits to fight for you. So you have to protect her. All she can do is block with like a shield and heal herself. And then you have different spirits mapped to different buttons and you have to swap and do different attacks and abilities. It's like a cool little switch up to the standard action platformer. 
And it's a, it's if you like Metroidvania, nothing new about it, nothing groundbreaking. If you like that formula, it's like one of the best ones I've played in a long time. Looks and sounds like a game I would love. So yeah, to me it will. Like Dark Souls, me I read. I was I haven't beat it yet. It's pretty long, but I'm pretty far. Uh, I've read like every item description, I, every spirit. I read about their lore, every area. They've built this entire like. Yeah, I don't want to ruin it. It has a really cool backstory that explains in like near Automata, everything in the game, even you dying and coming back to life, is all tied into the lore somehow. It's all like cool. lore specific and cohesive. It's very awesome. And last but not least for my six is a retro. A lot of my new games are retro games, but I played through Final Fantasy VIII again with all of these like awesome mods that have been done for the PC version, the PC remaster. Specifically, people have used Earthscan, which is in, an NVIDIA AI-powered like image upscaler and some other technologies to go through, upscale all the pre-rendered backgrounds, the textures, do a bunch of mods. And there's a really robust modding community. So I basically found all the best mods, threw them all together, and I played through the game with the purpose to get all the boss fight footage because I want to do like a longer YouTube video for deeper content that I'm doing. And uh, having that purpose, like I want to play through this to get this footage I use like a bunch of cheats and boosts to just get through it and explore like breaking the game in different ways and playing through it like that with the mods. The game's not that great, honestly, it's, but that experience for me was really, really fun. Um, you'd have to be a nerd into like modding stuff and have nostalgia for the game. If, if you fit that category, it's worth, it's not that hard to mod and it's worth playing through again if you like the game. And that's it. Great list. Awesome. One, one quick question for you. Before you move on, on that near Automata, have you played or are you interested in the the game that came out this year, near Replicant, which is the remake? I understand of an older. Yes, Nier. that's a the remake of the game that came before near Automata. Um, I, ha- I I am interested. Yeah, I got that game for Christmas. Actually, and I started. I ha- I have not played near Automata, but I thought I'll play this one first and then move on to near Automata. And I so far, I really like it near replicant people love both of them and the stories are fairly connected i talked to a few people who are near super fans and i just said for time's sake like do i need to play the other one and they said if you really just want to get into near just play automata first and if you love it you can go back and play replicant i did love automata and i've thought about playing replicant until i just let myself get spoiled because i wanted to fill in the gaps for automata I went online and read everything about Replicant, which sort of kills the motivation to play through it mm. for me. If you're already playing it, just play through Replicant, and then you'll be in a prime spot for Automata. Cool, cool. All right, Lauren, you're up. Ten through six. Awesome. The first eight games on my list are games I've played before, but I played Rocket League one day this this year. <laughs> That's your number eight. That is, that is my number ten. Oh, yeah. Here's why I brought it up because I, I was so addicted to that game. I was so dedicated. I got to the champ one rank, which is pretty good. I think then I didn't play it for like six months. And I, there was one Saturday where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fire this game up and play it. And I, I played my like 10 ranking games and immediately got to champ one again. I was just really proud of myself. What's amazing about that game is it almost teaches you like muscle memory to the point where, even six months of not playing it, I was able to jump right back in, which is kind of amazing. My nine through six are all Half-Life games. Uh-huh. I played Half-Life 2. I played Half-Life 2 Episode 1. 
I played episode two again and I played Half-Life Alex again. And Half-Life Alex was my number one last year. Just an incredible experience all around. The only problem with that game was that it was a little too short, in my opinion. But other than that, it was basically perfect. I'm a little and, too scared to play that game again. Yeah. <laughs> it was my top game. I wanted well. to play all of the Half-Life 2 games in order. And last year I played Black Mesa over um, which is the Half-Life that. 1 remake, basically. But anyway, just those are such quality games. And I might rank Half-Life 2 episode one higher than episode two, but those are my first five. Awesome. It would be cool to do like a Half-Life Supercut or like you do with Super Mario. It's like go through the Half-Life games. Where does Alex sit chronologically? Is it the last one also chronologically? No. It's confusing. Yes, Yes, it is. It is and it is. You you want to play it after Half-Life Episode 2 for sure. It's it's like a prequel that is part of the big story and the big like cliffhanger of Episode 2. So you do need to play them in development order. But as far as like the actual story, it's Mm. tricky. Okay. I still don't have a way to play that because, you know, can you not use the quest Two to like on your PC? You can to play it. Yeah. Any VR headset will work almost. It seems like that's designed for PC. Well, and of all the VR games that are out there, valve tried very hard to optimize it for every headset. From what I've been told, it works just as well on the Quest 2 as as anything. Actually, I've heard somebody that, that had both the, the Vive headset and the Quest, and they said they switched to the Quest because it was wireless, and it was basically the same. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they really optimized it. Anyway, I'm gonna it's fascinating. It's just a great game. We got an Oculus 2 for Christmas. My kids have been playing uh, Rec Room mostly, but excited to try that out. I like that idea to go through. I might do that, like going through all the Half-Lifes. That would be fun. I would definitely recommend playing Black Mesa. It is a quality remake. And they completely redid the Zen stuff from scratch. Like yes. they didn't. And it's way better than the original half. I'm actually, I'm actually going to be talking about Black Mesa quite That's a bit. Sweet. Great game. Yeah. Nice. All right. Let's move on to Reagan, the brother. Okay. I don't have 10. I don't have a nine. Don't have an eight. I have a seven, six. All right. Hit us. Seven is Astro's Playroom. I got a PlayStation 5 this year. Astro's Playroom, I know, was, I, I think, Robert's list last year. I, I saw that. And Steven's. Yeah, and mine as well. Super fun. Astro's Playroom, wow. It really is very impressive. Like, I, I mean, I'm just not into platformers, so I don't care about that genre. It would be higher on my list if that were the case, but I'm not into platformers. But even playing the game, I just realized very quickly, like, wow, this game is very tight, and you really are seeing a next-gen experience. And everything they did with the controller is very impressive. So... Yeah, super tight. It's great to see. I'm super excited to see what next gen stuff on the PlayStation will look like when when other games and genres that I care about will be just fully developed from the ground up. And that that game made me excited for that. It's a very polished game. I think I said this last time. I guess we didn't record it. Uh, the playing that the ice like freaked me out. How they could make the controller feel like ice or sand or whatever. And I yeah. would just sit and play over them. And I kept thinking, like, how did they do this? Did they like like a record player? Did they like drag something across the surface and cap- and like measure like the bumps or the texture of it, and then translate that to like a vibration? Yeah, I, how I think would the tr- they do that? I think the trick is there's they're porting audio through the vibration, so the sound, whatever sound you think you're hearing, is actually the part of the vibration, which makes sense. tricks your brain. Yeah, yeah it makes sense to yeah. do that. 
I actually have a little insight on that too. It hasn't come out. It's not, it's not live now. I mentioned before that I assist in robotic surgery. So with the Da Vinci surgical robot, what, what that does is that allows the operator to sit at a console with basically a VR headset because the camera inside the body has two separate lenses. And so it's getting a stereoptic uh, experience. So the surgeon actually is viewing the inside part of the body. And so you're seeing that in 3D. And so that allows the surgeon to actually uh, work inside the body in, in three dimensions and more accurately grab things and stuff. But my point in that is that uh, about three years ago at one of our national conventions, we uh, heard that, that the, the company was developing haptic feedback for the surgeons to do this similar kind of thing so that, for example, if they're working in there and they feel a drop of blood on the instrument, but they don't see it, uh, they can look up and be aware that, you know, there might be something bleeding um, or you can feel the difference between soft and hard. Um, by using the haptic feedback within the instruments of the surgical robot as well. So these are applications that are being applied um, in real life as well. That's amazing. Cool. That's cool. cool stuff. I've seen the oh. ad for the Da Vinci robot thing where it's literally like peeling a grape perfectly. It's like mm-hmm. one of their big And then you sew it back together. Yeah, and they sew it yeah. back together. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's, the, that's one of the like practice things. Yeah, peel a grape and then sew it back together. Amazing. Reagan, would you, did you have one more? Number six, Mortal Shell. Oh, oh Mortal, Mortal Shell. Mm. I want to play Shell that. It's basically a dark, very Dark Souls-ish game that has an interesting concept where you instead of, like you change bodies. When you want to change play styles, you, you just like <clears throat> essentially take over a different carcass or a different shell and that, that plays differently. Like one's more defensive, one's more attack, uh, like... So again, in Dark Souls, if you're you're doing a different build, whether you're right. doing a dexterity build or a strength build, in this game you just switch shells. Um, it's a shorter game; it's not a, it's not as long as a Dark Souls game, but it's definitely very cool, cool aesthetic and like some great ideas. I actually am excited to see. I feel like the developers are probably going to make another version of this game that's bigger and better, and this is just like almost it's like a half game almost. But it also came out with the free PS5 update, which is cool. Yeah, I played the Games Pass beta, which was really short. It was just like the first area. I really liked it. It like the the aesthetic was cool. Like when you you first appear, you're just like the non shell shell. I guess like your true shell is like this white faceless. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I don't know. And it seemed like they were implicating some really cool lore of, of what the nature of the shell is and what's going on. And it piqued my interest. Yeah, this game definitely nailed Dark Souls, like the very mysterious that don't give you a lot of information. One interesting thing about the game that I thought was really cool was that when you first get an item, you don't even know what it does. Oh, yeah. You have yes. to use it. I remember you have that. to use it many times. For, for, so you'll pick something up, you're like, does this thing heal me or not? You'll eat it, it poisons you. <laughs> but the- <laughs> Which is oh, more real. Cool. You're learning like, as you use. Yeah, yeah. It's stuff really in the cool. environment. even the thing that poisons you. If you eat it like five times, then you you're immune to it, and now it heals you. So it's not. It's, it's interesting because it's not just oh that thing poisons me, so I'm not going to eat it anymore. Because you still don't know about it. Because you ate it, it, you know that you're you're dying, but you still didn't unlock the information. So you're curious, like I want to know the details of this thing. Yeah. So you keep eating it, and like. <laughs> 
and then by the you're like, I just want to know about it. And then by the time you do learn about it, you've you've built up an immunity, and then it does help you. So there's some cool uh, mechanic stuff in the game. It's kind of funny to think about, like in Dark Souls, every item you pick up comes with a little like note. T- t- a note <laughs> yeah. on it that explains exactly what its lore is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So they have to put the lore somewhere. They're not just telling it to you. <laughs> I actually saw a speed run of Mortal Shell just yesterday on YouTube. Some guy did it in like 20 minutes. Yeah, it's not it's not a super long long game actually. You're next, Robert. Ten through six. Ten. Shovel Knight King of Cards, which is yes. what is it, a DLC for the original Shovel Knight, but it was basically released for free, I think. And I borrowed it from Steven's Steam account. Really awesome content. Uh can't believe how much effort they put into uh that game. Has a mini game that goes along with the platforming aspect of it. That's Really fun. Captivated me a lot. Number nine is Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory, which is a rhythm-based music game. (laughs) (laughs) That's above King of Cards. Yeah, I was like I, so pleased that King of Cards made it on your top 10. <laughs> and now I'm feeling insulted. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory came out last year. And, and I was listening to a review of it. And they said, if you're a diehard Kingdom Hearts fan, then you might want to get this. But still wait for a sale. <laughs> 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 and I, I, I guess I am a diehard Kingdom Hearts fan. But I actually love this game. I, I played it on the Switch. And I just could not get enough of it the music got me the gameplay was fun even though it's just a rhythm game and they actually introduced new story content which they always do in these spin-off king heart games which is crazy but i i liked it i had a blast with it number eight is spongebob the battle for bikini bottom also on the switch <laughs> not quite sure rehydrated rehydrated <laughs> this is the remaster of an old spongebob game that i never played but Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. Yeah, <laughs> the battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. I'm not even. I'm not even a huge SpongeBob fan, but this is a 3D platformer, and and I had a fun time with it. It's not super polished, but if you like 3D platformers, it's a fun one. Number seven is Tetris Effect Connected. Same with uh, you know rhythm games and SpongeBob. I'm not the hugest Tetris fan, but this game is kind of like a religious experience you you go into this especially in vr because i tried it in vr a little bit too on the game pass store but you can play it normal or in vr and and it's just this beautiful music and these beautiful visuals while you play tetris and every time you get a what do you call it tetris Uh, a a line of row or whatever (laughs) it, it does these awesome sound effects and visual stimulus it's just a really cool experience, and, and I highly recommend it. And then finally, my number six uh, is Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Steven brought up some of the games in this package that released on the Nintendo Switch last year. But it includes Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. Um, and I played through all three of those partly last year and then finished it this year. And just really solid games. Um, so that's my list. I have questions. How many games did you complete this year? Like 35. 
<laughs> and Tetris made it onto your top 10. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. Tetris I've actually heard a lot of people talking about this Tetris Dude, game. That was some people's game of the year last year. I'm not even joking. That is yeah, crazy. I've heard a lot of talk about it. Tetris Effect. It's really good. And Kingdom Hearts Rhythm game as well. It's just shocked. Now that I have some questions about. <laughs> Sweet. Robert goes to Steven one. All right. Here we go. Number 10. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Ooh. It's the first, the first to play that. You know, it says something about how fun those games are that that made my top 10. I've played all the Ratchet and Clanks pretty much. And they're just always fun experience. It's, it is a little bit of a rehash every time, but I love them. Anyway, really enjoyed that game. Number nine, Bowser's Fury, which is like almost like a mini Mario game, but it's still like if you want to get all of the shines in the, or stars or whatever they are in that game, moons, it's super fun. Have you finished it? Did you get everything? You you get you hundred percent of it? Yeah, you can do it in like five hours, something like that. But just enjoyable from beginning to end. Every second is just awesome, as most Mario games are. So number eight, this is I have a little interesting story about this one, but it's Banjo Kazooie. So I have had a Nintendo 64 since forever. Oh, so I don't 64 Banjo-Kazooie? 64 Banjo-Kazooie. So yes. I've had a Nintendo 64. That's, that was my favorite console. I had it before my mission. And it is literally sat in my collection since then. I've lent my Nintendo 64 out to Robert and to other people. And I just got really nostalgic this year. I set it up. I broke out all my games. And I played Banjo-Kazooie from start to finish. Got all, all of the puzzle pieces but yeah banjo kazooie super fun game really challenging playing those old games now back then it it was like that was just what it was but now it's actually hard to play those (laughs) but still really fun number seven darksiders three if you've played any of the darksiders games they are just awesome i loved one and two but threes i've just i don't know why i haven't tried it actually three's a little bit of a departure from the first two but and I loved the first two probably more, but I still really liked it. The combat especially was just, just makes those games really fun. The exploration of the combat. And then number six, Metroid Dread. Mm. I figured that was going to come up from somebody. Again, a game, the types of games we've played a hundred times. The thing I liked about this Metroid Dread, which I think some people didn't like, is I'm the type of Metroidvania player where I explore every nook and cranny as I'm going through the game. And if I discover like a an area where I can't scale a wall or get through a door that I'm like, okay, make a little mental map. Can't go there yet. But right. I still like to explore everything I can. This game forces you through areas with these machines that kind of chase you down. And it makes you explore the map first to kind of get a yes. general idea of it. And then you go back through and explore it. So I had to approach the game from a completely different angle than I'm accustomed to. And I loved it. I have things to say about that game later. Okay. Well, I won't say anymore. That was my number six. Boom. Steve ain't messing around. Steve Ducerino. My number 10 this year was a game of the year for a lot of people. So my time frame for games played this year was about 2015, 2016. Similar to what Lauren was talking about uh, with games that I, you know, kind of remastered games. That was a big theme of my game playing actually this year as well. My number 10 game was Hitman, the 2016 honestly puzzle game i mean i i I got into it thinking it was a a stealth shooter which it is but it's much more puzzle than just a shooter and i usually don't like playing stealth games over and over again but the puzzle component of this game is just incredible the way io the way that they developed this it every level is like they were writing a play 
with 30 different characters and it plays out the same way every time. And it's kind of like, can you piece together not just the story of where you're going, but like what is happening to everybody at every moment of the game? Because there are certain objectives that are time sensitive. And if you just sit around too long, changing, changing into different people's clothes, um, you might miss an opportunity to engage something. So it was kind of fun to to play with a game that didn't have an actual clock that you could see kicking off like a Mario level, for example, but had a conceptual clock that you knew that if I, if I wait too long, then this guy's going to get into this lockdown area. And I really like that. I really like that. I don't know if you guys have played the Hitman games. That was on my top 10 a few years ago. And I yeah. loved it. I'm so glad someone else finally played it because I, I, I thought that game was genius. Yeah. I mean, the level design on these games is just deep. The stuff they put in there was just bonkers. And the way that you can complete the missions is so open-ended. It's, it's insane. I mean, one of my favorite missions, you can actually, you have two uh, people that you have to kill and one of the ways you kill them is by dropping one of them on top of the other person. <laughs> like throwing one of them off a balcony and killing the other one with the body of the person you threw off the balcony. Stuff like that. It was just hilarious. My number nine is um, Bioshock Remastered. So my wife had never played the Bioshock, any of the Bioshock games before, and she's been starting to get more into gaming. And I said, you know, you really need to play this game. It's an incredible game. So we kind of played it concurrently. So she would play it on her computer. I'd play it on my computer. And we'd go through the same levels at the same time so that we were kind of hitting That's the same cool. story points. And it was awesome. And it just reminded me of, of what incredible storytelling, level design, and even gunplay. Yeah. And to Steven's point, um, I really appreciate these remasters because there's great games out there that are somewhat unplayable by today's standards um, because of the way the, the user interfaces, the uh, quality of life improvements and all of those things that, that we've just become accustomed to that really are kind of fundamental to the way that we experience games. Um, my number eight is just an oldie, but a goodie. Um, I finally beat the entire uh, Starcraft two campaign and played a bunch of the co-op missions it really is just a masterpiece in RTS gameplay. Um, the co-op missions are still fun today. They did an incredible job of making a game that I think came out in 2012. So it's like a nine-year-old game that is still relevant today um, just because they've, they had given so much time and attention to it. But we don't speak of Blizzard now, so I guess that's the last time you'll be hearing me say anything about Blizzard games. My number seven is the Telltale series, Batman and Batman, the enemy within. I've always been a fan of narrative stories. Telltale made another very good game. Reagan's already asleep. I've tried. I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) He hates the Telltale games. (laughs) I've tried so many times and I just know. Yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. I just like them. Uh, I like the narrative uh, structure. I always liked the idea of choose your own adventure books, but I didn't like the execution, I think. And Telltale, uh, for me, just kind of hit that sweet spot. And then my number six, going into remakes, uh, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. 
for the is that the PS5 version? They have a PS5 version. The remaster. The remaster, yeah. The Nathan Drake collection. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So I never played the Uncharted games. And I kind of wanted to start at the beginning because I hate getting into a game and then saying, oh, I want to try where this came from and saying, oh, my gosh, this is janky and I hate it. Yeah, and not happens. being able to finish it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I started with Uncharted 1 and it was janky and I hated it. But I played it <laughs> because I didn't know any different. Yeah. And then I played the second one and it was just like, oh, okay. They fixed so much from from number one to number two. <laughs> and reading a lot of reviews about number two, people have said, oh yeah, this is the pinnacle. It all's, it's all downhill from here. Um, my take on it is I think that there was just so much that they had improved on with number two yeah. that it just made number one look like a pile of crap. And number two was just like a revelation. And then any good thing that they did after that was like, well, it's still, it, it can't compare to. It's not a big you know, of a jump the, as from one to two. Yeah. Right, 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 right. It's almost like we measure the value of a new thing, not by itself, but just in comparison to the prior. And I think that's why Uncharted 2 was so good. Um, but I've got to say, it, it was a really fun game, even even now. Um, I hate console shooters, though, and I don't know if this is just a bad console shooter generally, but I struggled with the shooting elements of the Uncharted games a bit. Oh, but by far the worst part. Yeah. The voiceover, incredible. Um, the music, fun. I love the love triangle. Um, my wife is actually an author and writes romance books, and I beta read all of her books, so I get plenty of uh experience in reading the kind of like flow of 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 a romance story and they nailed it i mean just they they hit all the points that you should for a romance especially a love triangle which is what they were going for with chloe and elena it was really really well written this is this is where you know video games uh meet books movies art um naughty dog does a really good job with that so that's my number six Boom shakalaka. All right. Uh, we're back to, to me. Okay. Number five. This is PC only. It is Dark Souls Remast Tester. This is oh. a <laughs> massive. I have ma- heard about this. Oh, my goodness. Are you guys in Tickle. for a treat? I posted one clip yesterday. It's already at half a million views. It's like this mod. And it's not for me. It's, I just posted like a five-second clip and me playing this. But what this mod is... It's like a full-on, um, like, entire game mod by this guy named Inferno, Inferno Plus. I guess he's super popular in the Dark Souls community. He's a well-known modder. And he added all... He did a bunch of stuff outside of this feature, but the biggest selling feature is it has all the Halo guns hidden in the game. And they're really hard to find. Game, But you got to play through the game to find them. And they're, like, really hard to find. But I also got, like, a debug thing where you can, like, build your character however you want. So you don't like you can just experiment with builds and you can get whatever armor and get cosmetically. So I dressed up as Solaire, obviously. Yeah. And then once I found the SM so the first gun you find is the plasma pistol. And then I found the SMG. I've only had the SMG so far. Uh, the, the things that they're hard to find. Like they're really I am looking them up because the first two were so hard to find. I can't spend that much time for the rest of them. But I uh, I just 
blasted through the onion night. I blasted through like the Lake Hydra. It breaks the game, but it just kind of like, and there's also other spells. Like there's a spell where you can launch yourself as far as you want, as long as you hold the button down, it breaks everything. <laughs> But you just like start like I tried to launch from Firelink Shrine all the way up to Anor Londor, like its peak, and you can. It took like wow. a minute and a half of flying, but because it's like because of the LOD distances, it's not actually loading proper Anor Londo. It's loading like the far away version with like shitty textures, and there's no collision detection. So you like you get there, you hit the wall, you fly right through it, and then you just fall into an abyss and die. But you can like break everything. And, so I, and because Dark Souls is one of those games, we've all played it so many times and we all know the areas so well. It's fun to like, you just overpowered. You have all these abilities that break everything and you just start messing around. Like what happens if I do this? So I've just been breaking, jumping to areas, getting stuff you're not supposed to get, talk, killing everything. Every NPC, I just ice them. and i'm having a blast dude i'm having a blast there's other features there's like lore stuff and weapons there's a lot of other like core dark souls stuff in this mod um i don't want to say it's just the halo guns and and, like weird abilities that there's a jump now there's like a double jump they have a bunch of spells from like other games anyway it's more than halo guns but the halo guns is like really fun Apparently they have a rocket launcher. The laser, the Spartan laser is there somewhere. All the Halo guns are there. You just have to find them, and it's a blast. And it's not that hard to uh, mod. It's one of the easiest mods. You just basically follow like a a really short like five step process that comes with the with the download. Super easy to. And mod. it's in the remaster, right? They have two different versions of the mod depending on which version oh. of Dark Souls you have. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's awesome. So if you just want to play through Dark Souls 1 again and explore and mess around, um, like more casual. I mean, you you don't have to like break the game. You don't have to use the debugger and build stuff. But of course, I wanted to see like what happens if I have maxed out stats of everything? Like what would be the theoretical level max and how many souls you'd have to, even cheating, like pulling up, like typing in souls. It took me like 20 minutes to level my guy all the way up. Because, because it, it like you know how it scales exponentially more souls to get the next level and you get less rewards, it just got to like these ungodly numbers that were like ten to the negative blah blah blah. But I eventually got my whole like guy completely statted out, which doesn't gets, doesn't give you anything. Like the last, I don't know, like from like level two hundred to seven hundred, you're getting like one stat point every fifty, sixty, seventy levels. <laughs> so it's like. It was just kind of fun to play around with. So if you're interested in playing through Dark Souls 1 again and exploring areas and just messing with the game, I would highly recommend. Lauren, you're up. Number five. Well, I forgot until someone mentioned it that I actually played another game that I forgot to put on my list. So let's just bump Rocket League out. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to add, I played Dark Souls 3 again this year and I played all through the DLC and everything. Really loved it again. So that's actually going to be my new number six. My number five is uh, Bioshock Remastered. And Steve Loper talked about this. I played Bioshock quite a few years ago, and it was my first experience with anything like that. And I, frankly, I didn't really get it. I liked it, but I didn't really get it. This time I had a lot more experience with video games in general. And I played Bioshock Remastered, and I was really able to just dig into it and, and I really enjoyed the story. I loved the gameplay. It was just all around a really awesome experience, and I loved it. I think it was close to the top of my list several years ago, but 
um, yeah, just uh, I hadn't ever played the remaster. And one of the cool things is if you own the old ones, the remasters just became freely available on Steam. So I was like, oh, I'm going to play this again. And yeah, just loved it. It's tempting. I, I'm I'm thinking about maybe playing that. The thing about Bioshock 1 is it has a little bit more horror elements than the other Bioshock games, I feel. Like there are a few kind of scary moments in it that I had forgotten about. Oh, yeah, the lights go out. And the, yeah, the environments are pretty freaky. And one of the things that confused me the first time I played it, and it's the game still does this in the remaster, but I kind of love it, is that audio clips for different things. You know, like when you go up to those machines where you can buy stuff, it's like, bienvenidos, you know, it's like, Sometimes those audio clips talk over each other and you'll hear people like splicers in the distance talking to each other and they all kind of talk over each other while your Bienvenidos machine is doing its thing. And it was all kind of chaos for me the first time I played. Um, and, but there's something fun about that to me, the way that every little audio clip kind of almost frenetically, if that's the word, frantically talks over each other. It's, it's fun. It's a fun environment. Definitely an, an excellent world building game. Yeah, for sure. And Bioshock 4 is in development, and it will be in space, I think, is what I heard. On the moon, maybe. Unreal Engine 5. I'm so excited. Uh, Robert? My number five is Metroid Zero Mission. I never thought I would play this game, but when Metroid Dread came out, I had heard that if you want to play the original Metroid, Zero Mission is the way to go, because it's a remaster of the original Metroid. Remake. With all the bells and whistles. Yeah, remake. I learned you could get it on the Wii U for seven bucks, and I just happened to have the Wii U set up again. And so I bought it and played it, and it was amazing. It was so much better than I thought it would be. I had played Super Metroid, and as you remember, that was on my honorable mentions this year, a long time ago, and, and I liked it okay. But Metroid Zero Mission, in my opinion, is more polished and and more fun to play than even Super Metroid. And it's got some extra content in it that makes it even more modern and more exciting than than I would have expected. And so that game was really awesome. Highly recommend it to anyone who's a who's a big Metroid fan. Yeah, and, and the graphics look great. Like it doesn't feel like a Game Boy Advance port. It feels like just a really good game. The original Metroid is really obscure and hard. And it's, it's, you don't know where to go or what to do, and the controls are crappy. Metroid Zero Mission revolutionizes the controls, makes it easier to navigate, and just, just upgrades it and, and makes it fun. And then adds completely new story content, and the graphics are much better. So, yeah, if you want to play the original Metroid, play Metroid Zero Mission. A funny story about Metroid Zero Mission and Metroid Fusion. So, way back in the day, I was like, I'm going to play all the Metroid games. And I had a DS at the time that you could play... Game Boy Advance games on. So I bought both those games and I think they honestly cost me $10 each. And then after I beat them, I sold them again, like on eBay or wherever I bought them, just resold them, get my money back. Today, both of those games are like $100 games. If you own a Metroid, the original games, like the cartridge, they're worth a hundred bucks. Oops. They're so rare. (laughs) No, oops. But who would know? Just funny story. Number five, you're up, Reagan. So my number five is actually a game that was on on my list the previous year and it's resident evil seven. When I play, when I put resident evil seven on my list before I was playing on the PlayStation VR. And I even said previous, like I didn't, I never finished the game because it was too scary. Now. <laughs> and that's weird for me. Cause I love horror games and I love survival horror games, but there was something, it was a combination of the, 
PlayStation VR making you a little bit nauseous because it, it's not ready. Like the PlayStation VR kind of sucks, to be honest. Yeah. But the game I, was really terrifying. And, and But that combination of being nauseous and also terrified, I, like it, it, it wasn't working for me. But the game was great. So I finally went back and and played it. I heard lots of good things about Resident Evil Village, but I had never finished 7. So I went and, and finished the game. And actually, that game is very creepy. Like there's definitely moments playing Resident Evil Seven that are, even as an adult, I'm like, damn, I gotta like, do I gotta turn the lights on? Like, what's that? <laughs> there's no shame in that. No, it's it's they do a great job. It is definitely super super creepy. That's it. That's all I gotta say. If you don't like, if you like survival horror, it's a no brainer. If you don't, then you don't. It is what it is. My limits lie at Bioshock and um, the vil- the place you go in Half Life. What's that called? That weird Raven Home. Raven Home. Yeah, that's my max. You don't go to I don't, Raven I don't Home. go beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, one, it's you. So number five is for me is a. This is the second time a VR game has made it onto my list, and it's Moss. It's not a game you stand and move around in, but I don't know if any of you have heard or seen Moss. Moss Two is coming out soon, which I'm really excited for. But you sit in a chair put your VR headset on, but I just, you, and you sit like the, the world is at like chest height and you play this little mouse with a wooden sword and it's a little action platformer, but Oh man, I freaking love that game so much. I was just mesmerized from beginning to end. I tried to do every possible. I didn't platinum the game, so to speak, get every achievement, but I came as close as I could. Was it the VR experience that made it so great or could that game have been just as good as a regular game? That was a big part of it because I was you sit in the middle of each level and you like can turn in your chair and look around and you you know you you, you have you're following this little mouse and he's climbing up things and trying to you know get an item or you know swinging across things and jumping in I don't know climbing through tunnels and you're and you're using you're actually part of the game too like you're like this being that's helping this mouse so you like levitate rocks so he can run under or like that's so cool and just the whole thing was just, and he even like kind of looks at you sometimes and there's a little bit of interaction there. So you have a part to play. It's not like you are the mouse. Awesome game. Highly recommend. Can't wait for number two. If you've got a VR, highly recommend it. All right. Steven Serino. Mine is going to be pretty quick because it was the uh, end of the Nathan Drake collection and it's Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception. I actually thought that this was better than the second one. And um, in my list, it just ended up that these were five and six. So it just happened to sneak its way into the top five. I think I could have slapped the trilogy together and made it all into one component. But I didn't because that first game is that bad. I didn't want to taint the, the trilogy by including that first terrible game. But I actually liked the third game better for a couple reasons. Um, I liked the story a bit better. Um, the first two games, they're going along, and then all of a sudden, it felt like, oh, we have to explain why this happened, and so we're just going to make up a lot of supernatural mumbo-jumbo for stuff that honestly has no context in, in real society. I liked the third game because it was all plausible, and the supernatural element in the third game was basically a psychoactive hallucinogenic drug that existed only in one part of the planet that can happen um there are absolutely species that exist of plants of mushrooms of even animals that have certain compounds 
that only exist in, in certain unique parts of the world. And so the idea that there's some small society in some corner of the world that has access to some kind of drug that can cause hallucinations or has a certain half-life or something like that really spoke to me and the scientist in me. I thought the villains were a little more believable as an actual like government kind of quiet agency instead of the first game, which was just like some kind of warlord mercenary. They didn't even bother to explain it type character. The second guy was an actual warlord, um, which I guess I bought, but I kind of liked that the the villains in the third game had what makes for most good villains, which is you could kind of see where they were coming from. And, you know, sometimes you're actually saying, well, maybe they have a point here. And I thought that was pretty good, too. That's it. That's number five. Let's go to number four for Cade. Vanquish is an old PS3 360 game that got remastered for Steam. It is just pure... It's a platinum game. I like fast action games. Same people that made Nier Automata, older, but it is a sci-fi shooter. Fast-paced, I would say. I think it's called the High Octane Shooters, the way they brand it. It's a Japanese shooting game where you play basically a poor man's Paul Walker who works for DARPA, and you have a really cool suit, and they send you to the moon to blow everybody up because the moon are traitors. And that's about as far as it goes. And you just blow up a bunch of robots in your super cool suit. And you smoke cigarettes to gain health. And <laughs> it's just like the coolest B-movie sci-fi action. It's so terrible, but the the action is so good and everything else is so terrible. It's a, I enjoyed it. It's hard to explain other than it's platinum games. It's like fast action. And you shoot stuff. And you have cool weapons. I'm trying to think what the best part about it would be. I like that you have it has cooldown mechanics, and that your cooldown is actually visually represented. You don't need the HUD. I played the whole game with no HUD because a lot of the stuff is as your suit is heating up and you're you're about to overheat. Like these like vents will open up and there'll be like red light that comes out, and then once you overheat, you can see it, and then you can tell when you're done overheating. All you don't even need the HUD. I thought that was that is pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, blow shit up. Be movie. You're definitely a fan of like mech suits. Yes, fast action and mech suits. That's right up your 100% alley. Percent right up my alley. <laughs> it's my favorite suit in all of. It's like it's way cooler than Iron Man suit. Your gun trend, like instead of multiple guns, you have a gun that like shape shifts. It has like different versions, and you just swap between versions, and it changes the behavior of the gun. It's interesting. It's just so bad everywhere else. Like the the story is, you wonder like who signed off on this. Like someone got paid money to make this. And probably well, it's a Japanese a lot of translation, right? <laughs> Maybe it's so bad, but they can tell us whatever they want. How would I know? I guess you would know. Play in Japanese, but <laughs> it's just one excuse after another to have a really cool set piece with cool stuff to blow up. So yeah, that's, that's up your alley. Game. It's good enough. It's a Michael Bay game. Yeah, Japanese Michael Bay game. Lauren, I played a game for my number four where you also smoke cigarettes to get health. That was Bioshock 2 Remastered. Uh, isn't that a thing? I don't have a lot to say about this. Bioshock 2, when I played it previously, was lower on my list. I did not like it very much compared to Bioshock 1. I don't know why. Similar to the Uncharted games, I felt like there was some stuff that was just a little too repetitive, like drop into an area, you take out some people, 
you do that again 50 times. And I got kind of sick of that with Uncharted 1 in particular. I felt like Uncharted 2 was always sort of changing and it was enough uh, different to make it interesting. But that's how I felt about Bioshock 2 originally. This time, for some reason, I liked it better than Bioshock 1. I, the story was more compelling to me. I enjoyed running around and protecting the bodies while the little girls get the Eve out of the dead bodies and then setting traps and all that. I didn't, I think it was just too repetitive the first time I played, but for whatever reason, I really enjoyed it this time. Maybe the increase in quality from the remaster was what did it for me, but I ended up really, really liking it. Bioshock two has one of the best DLCs I've ever played, which is called Minerva's den. It's just a really, really well-written tightly put together uh, DLC. And I enjoyed that a lot as well. It is a, I've never played two. I've only beaten infinite, but from my understanding, the internet culture would be outraged that you saying Bioshock 2 is better than Bioshock 1. And I didn't think that the first time, but this time, the experience of it. And I should mention, I played both of these this year on easy mode. I literally did it just so that I could get through the game quickly because I, I needed a, an escape. <laughs> And so, you can put another game on your list. So, I can put another game. I just played it yesterday. No. Uh, But for whatever reason, I was playing it almost casually. And because of that, I think I just enjoyed it a little bit more. Hmm. I have been uh, playing that more. Like, sometimes I want to play Guardians of the Galaxy. I played on easy mode because I just wanted to get the story. All right. uh... Again. Oh, it's back to you. You're number four. My number four is a game that is like perpetually on my list, and that's Smite. Uh, so I'm not going to say much. You know what it is. You're still playing uh, Smite. I still play Smite. I go back to that well because I know how to play it. It's fun. It's my game that I jump in and I play, and then I get to a point where I'm like, this is a waste of my life. I should yeah. be playing a game that doesn't have an end. Do you play the uh, arena mode at all? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, for sure. That was sometimes. the one that I got really addicted to back when I played it. So now it's arena because it's faster, and I'm like, you can't. When you're playing a game online like that, you can't pause it. So if I have other things going on, I'm like, okay, I have 20 minutes. I'll play that. Yeah. Robert, number four. My number four is The Last of Us Part Two. Yes. Most years, I I think this would have been on my number one, but I just, I think I played a lot of really fun and quality games this year. But The Last of Us Part Two was really good. No spoilers. Amazing story. It felt bad to play it's at some points because the story is so oppressive in some parts but it also has redeeming moments and it's it's one that i really love playing and i'm just amazed at the quality of of work that naughty dog does i think they pound for pound make make games that are more polished and more cohesive than any other developer so really yeah, good game. yeah. what's up steven g Hit us. My number four is The Last Guardian, not to be confused with Guardians of the Galaxy. So these are the same developers that made um, Shadow of the Colossus and Eco. Yes. With Tico, the big bird guy, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. big bird. That game is really fun. And I think it was even elevated more because my son was playing it at the same time. And he and my and one of my daughters was playing it too, but I don't think she finished it. But it's just a fun puzzle puzzle kind of game, but the story too is just really cool. And there's some really epic moments and you really get attached to that bird. It's really cool. If you guys haven't played it, highly recommend boy and his dog kind of story, but it's awesome. I downloaded that, that game, but I thought it was shadow of Colossus. So I was disappointed. 
<laughs> I started playing. I was like, but this is not. No, oh, this is the other game they made. Well, Shadow of Colossus. Because <laughs> it was free. It was free on PlayStation Plus, but it was not Shadow of Colossus. Yeah, I, I uh, planning on playing it. I, I know it's good. Definitely Do it. It's good. Steven uh, Deuce, number four. This game's already been mentioned tonight. Uh, it was on Lauren's list last year, I believe. Lauren is uh, Black Mesa. Like I said, it was it was a year of remakes for me. Black Mesa. There were there were a lot of moments in in playing that game that I had to remind myself this was a fan made game. Yeah. That this was just a remake. Um, obviously, it has the DNA of one of the best video games in video game history. What amazed me was that it wasn't like a one-to-one recreation that they, they kind of took the heart and soul of half-life and then said, how can we make this better? Yeah. And then they did. And only took I looked 12 at, years or something. Right? <laughs> yeah. I looked at the development process and they were developing it for like five years before valve released a new source engine. And they said, Oh, we have to actually redo everything we've already done in a different engine. Valve came to them and basically told them, look, you guys can keep all the profits from this game if you just go ahead and instead of making a fan-made game, just develop an actual game. Just buy the Source engine from us and then you can have all the assets you want and make all the money you want to make. You don't owe us a dime. Which I thought was like one of the most beneficent things I've heard Valve ever do to say, oh, we're not worried about making money off of your endeavor. And I was like, what kind of business are you guys running? And I thought, oh yeah, the kind of business that's already making so much money, Millions. they don't even know what to do with. The voiceover work was good. The sound design was fantastic. They really did an amazing job with all the things that Half-Life did that was amazing in the first place. Like yeah. uh, AI was crisp. The kind of 360 feel, the stereo sound was mm-hmm. very well intact. The Zen level, oh my gosh, what a beautiful place and i was like right. i could have a game just this that's just this right guy goes to a alien planet and stuff happens on this planet it was just thrilling the ending was way more fun than the base game i enjoyed that far more um but still somehow like they made the boss battle better but honestly about halfway through the boss battle i was like okay i'm bored this <laughs> this is still one of the worst endings to a video game <laughs> That weird baby but thing. True to yeah, yeah. I was like, why am I? I don't get this. But the Crowbar Collective, um, bravo to those guys. If you consider yourself a Half Life fan, or if you've ever enjoyed the Half Life games and you haven't played Black Mesa, you must play this game. This is this is an absolute must. And I'm really glad I played it. I had a bunch of fun, and I didn't even scratch the surface of the crazy achievements where you can carry a pizza box to the end of the game. And then it's like raining pizza boxes at the end, or there's an ending where you can actually, there's the gonad monster that you can actually, there's a peaceful resolution option that I found out about. So you don't have to kill that monster. There's all this stuff that they threw in just because they thought if you're a fan of half-life, like we are, um, you're going to enjoy playing this over and over again. There's a lot of different ways that you can do this. And, and, yeah, it was a really, really good game. So, I feel like I followed the development of that game for like six or seven years. Yep. And I remember right. when they released the first version of it, Zen was not available yet. They basically started selling it on Steam as like a beta version of the game. 
and I played yeah. through it and I really liked it. And it felt very much like the original Half-Life to me, just with better graphics and AI and everything. But then when they finally released like the finished game and I play, I decided to play through the whole thing again, the Zen, what I loved about it was you could tell that they learned a lot about game development over the course of doing this. Cause I think they were all kind of like nobodies who hadn't really had a lot of mm-hmm. experience. They were just really passionate. But by the time they got to the Zen portion, they were like, we're going to build this our way. And that was to me, the standout part of the game. It was absolutely gorgeous. The, the level design was really good. I felt uh, they introduced some really cool mechanics that I felt they did that in the original half-life as well, but they introduced them just enough for you to try them and then it's over. And I feel like they gave you a lot more time in Zen. Anyway, I just, I was blown away by that last sort of chunk of the game, the, the Zen chapters. They're now like top tier game developers in my mind. Absolutely. Bravo, Crowbar Collective. Good job, guys. All right, D. Number three for me is a game that Reagan actually recommended to me like three days ago. And it's called Kid A Amnesiac. Hmm. It's a walking simulator. So it's a simple game. You just walk around. I don't know how to describe it. Like a digital art exhibition that was designed in tandem with Radiohead and Epic Games. And it's, I'm trying to be careful because I don't, it's best to go in blind. It's free. So you should definitely just do it. And it's like an hour and a half tops, maybe two hours, depending on how like thorough you are, but you basically go and you, and I'm not a huge Radiohead fan. I'm sure if you were a big Radiohead fan and you knew their songs and their lyrics, there'd be a lot more depth to it. I think a lot of the things were over my head because I just don't know a ton about Radiohead. You basically walk through this psychedelic art exhibition that's like tied to Radiohead songs, but they do a lot of stuff where the sound augments based on what you do, and you just kind of go through an ex- art exhibition, like an experience. There's like different rooms that have different themes, and it gets progressively more trippy and cool the farther you go, and then it ends kind of like with the finale. That's about as much as I could say. It's it's really short. The closest thing I would actually be an old cult classic game on PlayStation 1 called LSD Dream Simulator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a new age version of that game, which LSD Dream Simulator is this like, obscure dude that made a video game for PlayStation 1 about his dreams and never made another game. And it's become this cult classic because it never ends. It like just keeps compounding on itself and remixes itself. And it's like this weird cult classic that people have tried to figure out secret meetings behind it. And then I, I ended up interviewing a guy on my podcast that interviewed the creator of that game. And he said, there's no, there's no like grand scheme to that game. It's just like, he just made some like skits about his dreams and every, everyone is like trying to pull more meaning out of it than it really was. I'm not saying Radiohead's like that, but I could see that happening because it's 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 just the best depiction of maybe doing psychedelics without actually doing them that I've ever experienced. It's not on VR yet, but I think if it does come on VR, you have maybe wait wait for that version. But it's free. It's on Mac, PC, and PS5. I think it's worth trying. Hour and a half tops. What if you actually did psychedelic drugs and then played it? Would it just be normal, like that. a normal walking game? I highly recommend doing that. Like cancels itself out. I don't know. For I've thought about doing LSD and playing LSD Dream Emulator as like a, a stick for some video content, but I don't know if you could play a video game on LSD. I don't think I could. 
Yeah, it's it's a basically a art exhibition trip simulator, and it's free and it's short. I think it's worth trying. Cool. All righty then, Lauren. My number three is I work at a computer all day. I enjoy casually sort of watching other people do gameplay through playthroughs. And I discovered this random guy on YouTube. He has like 6,000 subscribers and he did dark souls one blind. And then he did dark souls two blind and then dark souls three blind. And I found it really enjoyable to watch that because he experienced those games a lot of the same ways that I did the first time through just going in totally blind, but he was also really trying not to get spoiled and it was super enjoyable for me. So I, and anyway, when he got to bloodborne, I was like, I got to replay Bloodborne. So I actually just beat it yesterday, probably my fifth time beating that game. And it was fun because I just kind of breezed through it this time. You know, I as hard as that game is, I figured out which build I wanted and I just went for it and I had a lot of fun. And I killed most bosses on my first try, even some of the DLC bosses. And then I got to uh, Orphan of Kos, which is the final DLC boss in Bloodborne. And that thing took me a week to beat. It was still just so difficult. And I don't know if my build was just not right or what, but and I tried all these different things. But anyway, just what a great game. I, it would probably be my number one, if not for some of the other stuff I played. And since it's a replay, but Bloodborne may be my favorite game of all time. It's it's Ooh. right up there with Super Metroid. It's just It's phenomenal. so good. Yeah. The rumor is it's coming to PC, and you know that what's going to happen on 60 PC. 60 FPS, man. That's, 60 FPS, wait. and then you know the modding Bots. community is going to go ape shit over oh, that game. Yes. have some weird ape mod shit. where you can get, yeah. like, Call of Duty machine guns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There'll be Halo guns and Bloodborne. <laughs> get a bazooka and blow away open of costs in one blow. Robert, you might have said this. I, I heard a rumor that uh, the guys who remade Demon Souls are doing Bloodborne 2. That is, a rumor. that is a rumor. Blue point. I, w- I would love Blue that point, if yeah. that were true. Anyway, that's I'll pray it's true. Yeah. Anything Blue Point puts out, I'm going to play. After seeing the stuff they've done, it's been amazing. Great. I'd be okay with that. I'm definitely okay if they did Bloodborne too. All righty, Reagan, number three. My number three is also Radiohead's Kid A, Kid Amnesiac <laughs> exhibition. But I'm going to say a few more things about it because I don't care if I spoil you guys. Here's the thing about this experience. This wh- I went into this and it was not very long that I was immediately texting my brothers. You need to get on this right now. I yeah. told Kate to me before I was even done. I was like, I, you know that when you experience something and it's so awesome that you want to just share it with the people you love, that's a special thing. You're like I, these people need to know right now. And I know Kate's a pothead. I'm like, you need to smoke the fattest bowl. I don't smoke weed, but I know he does. I'm like, just get high as hell and do this thing. Cause it'll be amazing. I bet it would be awesome. <laughs> Cause it really, now I used to do psychedelics and there has never been an experience. Truly. He, he underplayed it a little bit. If you haven't experienced psychedelics, but you want to have an idea what that's like, go do this thing. Because as many times people would try to make that experience, something that's kind of accessible, whether it's movies or anything else, nothing's really ever come close because if you've done that, you'll know that when you try to explain it, it's just, yeah, it's never going to happen. There's not, there's nothing I can say. that's ever going to even get you in the, you're not going to be in the ballpark. Cannot communicate nothing. the strangeness of it. Yeah. It, yeah. No, nothing's going to even get you within a thousand miles of under, understanding a tiny bit of what, what it was like, except for this experience. And part of it is because, uh, and I'm telling you a lot of thought went into trying to recreate this. It's not just trippy visuals that it's that there's way more to it than that. And they put a lot of thought 
into trying to make this experience like that. And one of them, I think the pinnacle of the game is the pyramid experience. When you go into the song, how to disappear. And then there's essentially like these three, this three song element that you're kind of stuck in. You can't like throughout the, throughout the other experience, you can go into different rooms and each room represents a song. It's like a remix version of these songs. But when you go into this pinnacle experience, so to speak, you are stuck kind of, and you can move around, but you have to go through the whole thing before you can get out. The most impressive moment in that game or experience to me is at the end of this hyper emotional, musical, visual stimulating experience. There's this moment where it just, it snaps and you're in a concrete room with a stick figure, like an empty art gallery with a stick figure sweeping the floor. And, and that's so, oh my God, it's so like being on a trip and then the moment you kind of snap out of it and you realize everything you just experienced was just kind of, it, it wasn't real. I mean, the emotional connections are real, but here you're back to reality. And that image of a stick figure just pushing the broom and an empty art gallery, like, yeah, the party's over, bro. Yeah. Experience is over. Party's over. And it's like, oh my gosh, that, that feeling was like, I felt that before. And it's like, they put so much thought into creating this. That's, it's so amazing. And yes, it's free and it's only, you can, I actually went in and did it multiple times and I highly recommend it's on PlayStation five. You can go do it. I, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's definitely worth spending an hour or two in. take your time with it. There's a lot of little details in that experience. Like sometimes even moving backwards will make things change. Like you could walk through something one way and you can turn around and walk through it the other way. And it's going to like, the sounds will change. You're like, you're essentially playing a granular synthesizer in by moving your body in 3D space in some rooms. It's really cool. I just found it on the Epic Store as well. Yeah, it's on so. Epic Store free as well. It's um none of my trips like visually or thematically have resembled anything in that game, but it captures like I don't know, the feeling of being on a trip without actually going and taking drugs. So yeah, if you're curious, like, ah, what people, I'm curious about all the psychedelic stuff. Go play that for an hour and you'll get a little, just sliver taste of, of but genuine taste of what it's kind of like. I wish more than anything this was in VR. Yeah. It's not. It probably but, will be at some point. It's on PC. It's going to. What I do love about this is I'm very excited about the future of experiences like this in VR. Like as somebody who loves music, as you guys know, like I'm an audio engineer, like I'm heavily involved. This is what I do. I like this stuff and the VR experience. And this experience is to me, a taste of what's coming. There's marketing happening in this game. There's QR codes throughout the experience. And at the end, it is like the exit through the gift shop thing where you're like, here's a QR code and it'll take you straight to their website where they have all kinds of cool merch for sale. And it just even as somebody who's interested in marketing and like how that all plays into where we're going and how this is going to work in the future, it's it's very next level stuff. I love it. So it's badass, and it's free, so there's no excuse. Uh, Reagan Roberts, number three, bronze. My number three is Hollow Knight. Ooh, I love that game. Took me a while to finish it. I started it more than two years ago, I think. And I fell off it for a little while. Um, always liked it, but I, I think I got kind of lost at one point. And, but when I finally got back into it and then breezed through it to the end and did a bunch of the extra stuff, it really 
captured the essence of the Dark Souls environment and atmosphere to me, but also just really fun gameplay um, in a 2D realm versus 3D. And I love the characters, the voices that the the bugs make when you talk to them and just the music. Everything about it is just a really rich experience. And I and I loved it so much that it had to go into my top three. You got to play Ender Lilies. It's the only thing that's even come close to scratching the Hollow Knight itch. Cool, yeah. Hollow Knight's one of my all-time favorite Metroidvanias and maybe all-time favorite games. I love that game. The one you yeah. mentioned at the beginning? Yeah, Ender Lilies. I just haven't... Ender Lilies would be higher if I... I just haven't beaten it. So it's like hard for me to know how good... Maybe it's... You know, some games are like strong the first half and we weak the second half. But Ender Lilies, I'm assuming if I beat it, it's going to be pretty close to Hollow Knight level. So far, it's so good. Silk Song, the new Hollow Knight that started out as a DLC... It's uh, still yeah. no release date. I know. I've been waiting Crazy. forever for me. them to tell us when it's going to come out. So in my uh, index room that you create when you upload into VR with that, you create a room. You can hang, you can hang screen, your favorite screenshots on the wall. And on one of my walls, I have a big panorama of Hollow Knight. When he comes out, there's like a crystal lake underground or like some clear lake. And he's, he, you meet somebody there, remember. But he, you can stand there and he'll sit on the edge. I took a screenshot. He'll just sit there and enjoy the scenery. I took a screenshot of that and it hangs up in that little virtual space. But I love that game. That game, yeah, the scenery and the way they play with like parallax scrolling and the layers of depth. And uh, it's just, man, it's so good. It's Metroidvania just polished like, to the it best. It is excellent. Yeah. Game is awesome. It's actually up to you now, Steve. Number three. Number three. Okay, my number three is Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, finally playing that game, huh? That I, I finally played it. And it, the funny thing is, I, I think I started at the beginning of the year and played like crazy at first. And then I kind of got burned out. There was, a, there was a little bit of repetitiveness in that game, but I put it away. But I love how the visual experience of that game a lot. And I loved the story, too. There is a lot of little audio clips and things you can listen to. And I did it for the first half of that game. I probably read every little clip thing I found and listened to every audio thing as well. But eventually I gave up on that. There's too much of it. However, still a really cool story, really fun, awesome DLC. I platinumed the game, got all the trophies in the DLC as well, but um, really enjoyable. Loved Horizon Zero Dawn. Have you played it, Reagan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I remember Robert first put, I think Robert was the first person to have this on the list. And when he, he first talked about one, it, I think last year or two years ago, like a few years ago, I was like, mm-hmm. mm, dinosaurs, I, dinosaurs are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. But I eventually tried it and I, it was on my list last year. Yeah. That game is fantastic. Getting the shield armor was very like satisfying. It was one of the yeah. side quests, <laughs> like getting it. And then like going back to the beginning of the game where you see it early and finally getting it. And, um, Yo, you said you played Frozen Wildlands, whatever it's called, the DLC. Yeah, right? the Frozen Wilds, I think, something like that. Is it worth going back and playing? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, it's The great. Frozen Wilds was awesome. And it's it adds a lot to the story, too. You find out more about that dude that was helping you along the way that's kind of shady. <laughs> you know what I mean? Steven, too. Bronze Medal. My Bronze Medal game um, is always, always has been, always will be a hidden gem a game that indie developers or something that isn't, you know, very mainstream 
my number three game is actually a genre of games that I have always wanted to like more, but mostly hated. And that is the FMV genre. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I know. This must be a retro game. FMV. What what is that? Remember old games like Night Trap? Dragon's Lair. Full motion Um, video. Yeah, full motion video. Yeah, full motion video. Tex Murphy games. Yeah, so, so it's full motion video games. So it's games that use video capture um, in the gameplay uh, mechanic somehow. It's basically just a lot of cutscenes put together with some kind of user interface. My number three game this year um, was actually one of the first games I co-opted with my wife um, when we were kind of getting into playing this year. And it's called Her Story. Her Story takes place uh it puts you in the seat of uh basically like a detective and it puts you in front of a like a 90s era console uh like a windows desktop and you have a search uh interface and you type in keywords and it pulls up the first four videos with that keyword in it and you're basically like discovering the story of the murder that happens and what led to it and who is this person. And it's an interview. It's police interviewing this woman about this, this guy that gets killed. It's just videos of her the entire time. Amazingly, like, most of the time these FMV videos feel kind of clunky because there's like some kind of animations that's not in true fidelity next to other parts of the animated components. But this name, this never felt that way because you're actually the, the context of the game is you're watching these videos. The acting in it was absolutely fantastic. The actress that plays the, 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 the woman being interviewed is incredible. The storytelling was amazing. And it wasn't just the way that, it wasn't just the story itself, but the idea that the story that I heard isn't the story that you guys are going to hear because you're going to search different words. You're going to watch the videos in a different order than the order that I watched it in. It's a fascinating game because the, the analogy I came up with was it'd be like if we were all discovering a dinosaur and we all started digging in different parts, we might come up with different concepts of what that meant early on. And then as you uncover more, you kind of see more of the whole picture, you know, your initial perception of what was going on or what your take of it is might be completely opposite from the way someone else took it. Amazingly, this was the first game that I've ever played that my wife wanted to play it more than I did. And so for me, it it definitely deserves a, a spot there for that reason alone. When you first started talking about it, well, FMV game, but I started watching some videos, and as you were describing it, you like looking at a 90s desktop computer, so it makes the whole retro 90s style like fit lore-wise. And it's yes. also made by Sam Barlow, who made Shattered Mem- Silent Hill Shattered Memories, which is a really good semi-remake of Silent Hill 1 for the Wii U, or Wii? I think it's the Wii. Um, okay. Shattered Memories is, in my opinion, like, the dark horse of the Silent Hill franchise. It doesn't get enough credit, but people who play it really like it. Cool. Now I'm intrigued because I really like that game. 
This looks cool. Yeah, I liked it. It's not the best game of the year that I that I played, but definitely one of the most um, interesting games that I played this year. And the story was fascinating. And just, I don't know, they did something truly unique. I've never played a game like this. Just the way that they told the story, the way it unfolded. And like I said, the fact that... Um, if you do play it, Cade, like you're not going to experience it the way I did because you can't unless you watched the videos in the exact same order I did. You're going to come to some conclusions about who she is, who she isn't, what she did, what she didn't do. I'm always intrigued by games that I actually have to take notes to play. You know, if you just got to play a game and you just you just do it and, and you just play the game, um, that's cool. But I'm always intrigued when a game says to play me, you're going to have to actually do the things that you do in real life, like get a notepad, get a pencil, start writing some things down. And uh, that's definitely what we had to do. We were writing down search terms and doing all this stuff. And and it it was a fun game to play with each other because we'd be like, oh, what did she say about this? And and we would like talk about what she had said and we're like, no, play that back, play that back. And it was kind of like we were the the detectives, you know, trying to solve the solve the, the the mystery of the of what we saw. I played that game a few years ago and can echo the recommendation. Really fun. Detective simulator. Yeah, nice. kind of. Yeah. I'm watching some footage. It, it, uh, yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued. Number two for me. Dante's Inferno, God of War Church Edition. It's basically the old school God of War, like God of War 1 and 2 for the PS2. Same formula, except you go through the nine circles of hell. It's based off the Divine Comedy, Dante's, I forget what it's called, Dante something. But you play a super religious guy that goes to hell that tries to save his wife who died. And you got to go through each circle of hell. So it starts out with like gluttony or i can't remember it's like gluttony lust betrayal goes through all these different sins and each level of hell is aesthetically designed around that that type of sin and you keep going deeper and deeper until you square off with the big baddie lucifer himself it's fun i can't believe the game was actually made it features not joking literally platforming sections where you're dodging flaming assholes like big giant assholes shooting fire out fiery farts because you in the stage gluttony everything <laughs> i'm not it's kidding. called the blue dart <laughs> <laughs> there's a section in gluttony where everything's based around like food right intestinals guts and just fat meat and blah there's just like parts there's just like these big assholes that shoot fire and you gotta you gotta dodge them you fight these babies that are the lore of the babies that they're aborted babies and they have like blades for hands and they birth out of the breasts of like giant demons, but have nipples for mouths and like evil babies come out of them. It is wild. And it's, it came out in like, it's a PS3 game. So I don't know, 2009, 2010 ish. I had heard about the game, but I just couldn't believe the things that were in the game and that game didn't get more maybe press. Um, It's also really tight. It plays just as good, in my opinion, as God of War 2. Are you talking about the buttholes? 
the buttholes play even better. <laughs> Super tight buttholes. <laughs> Super tight buttholes. <laughs> okay, you got me. The game features tight buttholes, so that's what. I'm, that's it. Number <laughs> number two goes to the tight buttholes. It's uh the one negative thing I will say is the last area is rushed. Like you can tell, you know, if there's been other games that you get to the last area, like oh. This is you guys didn't have time to finish this. Yeah, just kind of like all of a sudden the quality and the way the pacing just gets scrunched down. There's a cutscene after cutscene, and then the game just sort of ends out of nowhere. But <laughs> up until the last ten percent, it's really good. All righty, Lauren. This is the first time where a new FromSoft game, although I don't, I mean, this was made by Blue Point De- Demon Souls. This is the first time where it came out, and the year it came out, I played it, and it's not my number one; it's my number two. Hey, that's my number two as well. Oh, well, maybe we should just talk about it then. I, <laughs> here's the thing. I, no, never played, I never played the original Demon Souls. I played this probably, I mean, I got, I got all the way to the end boss, like by, I don't know, February or March. And then I didn't beat the end boss until like last month, I think, or maybe two months ago. Robert finally helped me beat it. I don't know why, but I just... I tried that end boss a couple times and it wasn't that it was super hard. It was just that I hated the run to get to it. And I was just like, yeah, I'll put this down for a while. And I just never finished it. So I, I seriously took like an eight month break or something and then finished the game, like finished the last boss. And I think that sullied my enjoyment of it a little bit. I've been meaning to go back and replay it, but overall though, what an incredible uh, remake. I mean, I can tell that, Demon Souls was a clunkier game in a lot of ways, but I also feel like Blue Point, the way they remade it, they did a really great job of making it feel not too clunky, but I also, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it felt like they still kind of stayed true to the original game in some ways, the way that certain characters interact with each other. I mean, playing Bloodborne compared to this, Bloodborne just feels so much more smooth to me. I don't know if that was like an intentional choice to try to keep it similar to the original game or what, but well, absolutely. They had to keep it that way for one, unless they're going to put different kinds of enemies or populate the world with diff- with more enemies or something, right? Right, or, like the actual gameplay the mechanics enemies themselves are slower. You have to keep the mechanics the same. Right. They did polish it though, really well. But I think that was one of the things that I noticed. Besides that end boss, the bosses were pretty easy. And I remember people tell, and it, it's not that they're necessarily easy, but it's because I played so many other Souls games. I yeah. think it did feel slow to me. And it felt like dodging and stuff was just easier in general. Um, that being said, the game was a little harder at first. And leveling up and stuff was a little more complicated for me uh, than the Dark Souls games. Yeah. Specifically, leveling up weapons. Like, it was harder to get the items I needed to level up. I don't know. Maybe I just picked the wrong weapon. I don't know. I need to give it another shot, probably. But, I mean, it's still... It's a FromSoft game. The level design, awesome. The gameplay, for the most part, I love. The, the boss designs. Some of the most unique boss designs. So cool. And yeah, overall, just stellar game. I can't wait to see what Blue Point does next. I, I would love a Dark Souls 1 remake uh, by Blue Point. By that would Blue be Point. incredible. Yeah. yeah, that would be awesome. Reagan, you're up. Number two. So my number two might be a little controversial here. Uh, of course, because all your opinions are shite. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so my number two is actually a game that none of us have played, unless you happened to get on the network test and my number two game is Elden Ring and you might say <laughs> how dare you how can you so mad you could here's why <laughs> I have spent more time getting enjoyment from Elden Ring than wait did you play the, the beta games 
No, I haven't played shit. I mean, what are you but talking I spent about? So much time on the subreddit and watching oh. videos and thinking about <laughs> yeah. the anticipation. How much time? How do I kick him off? Where's the freaking playing? kickoff button? <laughs> I'm telling you, I've already spent this much time on Elden Ring, just thinking about yeah. it and watching it and the anticipation. So I, you were on the network test though. No, no. Oh my gosh! You so, should be thinking you did it. Uh, Reagan, I, I was, was tempted watched, to do the same thing. I was gonna because I've watched a ton of videos. I've watched all of the like people who did get the network test and did a bunch of videos about it. And I, I'm like so into it that I almost included it as well for the same. That's why I decided to do it because hey, you're right. I I haven't played it, but as far as how much time I've spent on it, it's right here. This is where it's at. It's on number two. This is how much it's done for me as an anticipation element. So yeah, I'm putting it as my number two. Robert. My number two is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Wait for it. I was waiting. I'm like, <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to say Valhalla because I almost bought Valhalla the other day. I was thinking about it. It was on sale. No, it took me quite a while to beat Assassin's Creed Odyssey because there's so much content in that game. I spent over 200 hours single player just playing through side missions and DLC and I loved every minute of it. That's what's amazing about that game is I, I love that it's old hat by now because there's been so many Assassin's Creed games, but they keep finding new ways to suck me back in and I don't know what it is about those games that just I find immense enjoyment out of every minute I spend in those games. And so I had to put Assassin's Creed high on my list this year because I just had a blast playing through it. 200 hours is no joke. That's a, yeah. That means you really liked it. Yeah. Steven Gibbons. So I'm just adding on to what Lauren was saying about Demi Souls. You guys are probably wondering why this is number two and not number one. You'll discover soon enough. But <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> no. Um, so Demon's Souls, I platinum that game. I did everything. I had to beat it four times to do everything I wanted to do in that game. Is it possible for me to share a screen or not? I was going to show you guys just a screenshot. So there's, you don't get a trophy for this. You don't get like some kind of nod from the developers other than just it's blue points, little thing that they've done with most of the games they've remastered. They have add a little extra something in there, mm-hmm. but in order to get this, it was a set of armor that you could only get if you collected I think it was like 36 rusty coins or something like that. The community, when they started to discover these coins, they, they banded together and tried to figure out what they did. But you have to beat the game at least three times. I'd had to do it four times, but three times to collect enough of these coins to trade them for a rusty key that opens the door that gets you to the armor. Good, good, good. All right, Steven Loper. My number two this year was also a co-op game. I mentioned it before. They added so much to this that I had to bring it back, and that is Warhammer End Times Vermintide 2. I do remember you talking about this. I was I remember we even played it together a few times after you Yeah. Up. So this is a game that was originally sold as a Left for Dead clone, but you know, with melee and classes. But honestly, it is it is evolved so much to the point that I think it's the new standard bear for the four player co-op game because it's just gotten better and deeper over time. It has a ton of extended replayability in that each character plays so differently that you have to have a completely different mindset to be successful, particularly at the higher levels. When you're playing in Left 4 Dead 2, it doesn't matter what character you have. They have a different jacket or shirt or whatever, but it doesn't actually matter. 
but this game matters. There's five characters and there are compositions that are, you know, decent at lower levels. But once you get to higher levels, you actually have to like think about, okay, who's our, who's our tank? Who's our DPS? What, what's the support character? Where are we going to get our heals from? The first game had a lot to enjoy, but it kind of got boring after the initial levels. But they've released some DLC that doubled down on what they were trying to do, told a lot more stories. And the most recent DLC they released was a free one called The Chaos Wastes, which made it kind of like a rogue, a roguelite. It, it's amazing because it's, you know, we've, I've been playing this with my nephews and it's given us so many like fun moments. For example, we were playing one level where it had the skull dropping modifier. And we also were playing in a mode that had extra rat men and extra hordes, which meant that we were constantly being bombarded by just hordes and hordes and hordes of little enemies. But every time we kill one of the enemies, there's like a one in six chance that they're going to drop an explosive skull. And the skulls also damage the enemies. So when there's a huge horde and the bomb blows up and it kills a bunch of rat men, then they drop a bunch more skulls and it just like created these like chain reaction chain reaction. (laughs) And so instead it's like the hordes would almost wipe themselves out from all these bombs. And we were just dodging bombs and it was just like, Oh, you didn't know this was a platformer dodge bomb level all of a sudden in your like four player co-op, you know, action thing. That's cool. But it was really cool, and they've just continued supporting this game. It came out, I think, three or four years ago, and they've just been adding stuff and adding stuff, and it's an incredible game at this point. It's absolutely a blast, and if you guys ever want to get back into you know, doing an actual game night where we play games together instead of just talk about games at the end of the year, I would very <laughs> much recommend it. I remember those days. <laughs> hey, Fall Guys. A lot of fun. I mean, when you guys talked about, you know, playing Left 4 Dead and the the old days of playing Left 4 Dead 2, like, I, I feel like this game would really bring back the spirit of that big time. Hmm. But I've loved it. I've loved it. It's a crisp game. It's smooth. The developers even, it's it's one of the biggest games in my library because the developers made a decision to make the game run better. I've absolutely gotten so much uh, satisfaction out of playing this game. This is fun. So. Sweet. All right. Here it is. The last round. The pinnacle. Everyone's pinnacle. The King Kong. For me, it's technically three games, but it's one. The Mass Effect trilogy. Mm, Nice. It is, uh, what can I say? It's Mass Effect. Mass Effect 1 had so, so many improvements, made replaying it awesome. Two and three... The whole thing. It's Mass Effect. It's awesome. It's bundled together. Place tight. Bunch of quality of life improvements. I read every single codex entry and every thing. I got sucked right back into the universe. And I had never played Mass Effect 3 to completion because I heard a bunch of bad stuff about it and I just never finished it. And I had somehow managed to not spoil myself completely about some of the choices at the end. And I didn't know, spoiler alert, that Thane died. I somehow didn't get spoiled on that. And so... Oh, no, I did. <laughs> oh, I, thought, I assumed everybody played it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to try to forget that name, Thane. Well, 
Well, have you played three? You won't even know who it is. I've never played any of them. Oh, okay. You'll forget who he is by the time you played him. But... Yeah, good. <laughs> I've played him and I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> really? Because that uh, might be the most emotional video game death I've ever experienced. I, I was. Yeah. Oh, thank Thane. Thane was my boy. Okay, yeah. Thane was, was my boy. Was... I for sure yeah. won't forget. <laughs> I know. It's in my head now. So I remember when 3 came out, everyone was upset about the ending. Well, how, how was your thinking when you finished all of these? I went into it thinking the ending is a complete shit show. So be ready for it to be just boiled down to nothing. And I thought it was awesome. I think it's because I had such low expectations based on all the negative <laughs> stuff. That's the way to do it. Um, but they also like did a DLC where they patched it up and fixed some stuff. And so I never experienced the original ending. I experienced the updated DLC version of the ending. And it does kind of boil down all your choices into like three scenarios. But, right. the, de- but the details of how those scenarios play out in the ex- like at the end when they wrap everything up do change to small degrees depending on all the choices you made throughout the series. But a lot of people complain that like, you know, none of your choices matter because it all boils down to basically just a couple things. That's right. sort of true, but the, like the cutscenes after those three scenarios do change based on a lot of different choices. Like who shows up? If that person died in the first game, they won't be in that cutscene on scenario one or scenario two or scenario three. You know a game is good when it ended. I immediately went straight to the message boards, started reading a bunch. And it was awesome because Mass Effect has been around for so long and I hadn't played the third game. There was endless Reddit content and theories and stuff to dive into. And I spent another probably week and a half just reading Mass Effect stuff after playing it because I had missed all all the discussions that had happened since Mass Effect 3 came out and the ending and what it meant. And so it was just... Everything I love. I love sci-fi. At the end of the day, sci-fi is king for me. If you haven't played the trilogy, it's almost better that you waited. Packaged together as a product like this, it was. I played from start to finish, no gaps, just right when one game ended, right into the second game. And I think it took me my third longest play time of any game at 98 hours. But that includes all three? All three games. All right, uh, Lauren, what's your big number one? Well, Demon's Souls probably would have taken number one if I'd played it more recently, but uh, Metroid Dread is my number one. I rarely buy uh, Nintendo games the week of release, but I was very excited about Metroid Dread, and it delivered in every way for me. I I mean, the first game I ever fell in love with was a Metroid game, and so it's just right up my alley. I mean, we talk all the time about Souls-like. Souls-like is its own genre now, basically. This felt Souls-like to me. I just, I've never finished a side-scrolling game with like difficult bosses. I have to say of all the Metroid games, this one was by far the most challenging. It was very difficult in a lot of ways. And one of the reasons is, you know, in in the Metroid games, you're given these like energy tanks and they, as you get new energy tanks, you feel a little bit more strong, like you can't be killed. But the energy tanks in Metroid Dread don't really do anything. I feel like you you basically die in four hits, no matter what. Because as the game progresses, the bosses hit harder, the enemies hit harder. I enjoyed that about it. The thing that was most impressive to me were I would go into a boss fight just having no clue how to do it. And just like a Dark Souls game, by the time I defeated that boss, it's because I had earned it. I had learned the moves. I understood the movesets to the right degree, and I was able to... It wasn't like an accident that I beat the boss. And I really enjoyed that about it. 
um, they have this cool element that I think, Stephen, you mentioned this a little bit, where you're sort of forced to rush through parts of the map because you're being chased by these things in certain zones of the map. And I really enjoyed that element. I, at first, I found it quite annoying because I was like, I want to stop. I want to look around. I want to find objects. And I got to run from these things. And I can't, you know, like observe the map. But it, it was a really smart game mechanic because not only does it teach you how to play better and to like run faster and do all these other things, it does help you experience the map better. And I thought that was a really smart uh, choice. I liked the story. I had never played Metroid Fusion. So all of the stuff related to that was new to me, but um, I really enjoyed it. The last thing I want to say about it. So I 100%ed the game on my first playthrough. I did not want to finish the final boss until I had gotten every single item. It did help that it had like a mini map and you could mark things and it would kind of glow when there were things that you had missed in Freaking certain areas. Freaking hard to read mini map, you mean? Yeah, it was. I didn't find it too terrible, <laughs> but it was hard to find a few options. A few things were really tough, but the most challenging part of the game was not the bosses. It was not the navigating or anything. The most challenging part were there were, there were about five items that required you to do these really complex running and jumping and flipping and turning into a ball just at the right moment while you're at hyperspeed. There were just like five items in the, hidden throughout the game that were very difficult to get. And I must have spent an hour or two on some of them, just trying to get it just right. You, you almost have to get it like frame exactly perfect. exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and that stuff was so challenging to me. Those were the things that when I finally got them, I was, I thought to myself, I'm never doing this again. Like <laughs> it's not worth it. But I was also, so, it was just like a Dark Souls boss. By the time I got through it, I was like, I did it. And it really did help my game mechanics. Like I got better at the game because I learned all these things that you can only do. I mean, I, to be honest, I had to look up some of them online. I could not oh, yeah. figure out how to get some of them. And like, you have to just do the super jump and super speed runs just right and hit this corner just right. And then turn into a ball at just the right moment. But man, it, it was super satisfying when I did get those items. And it's rare that when I finish a game, I go back and start again. But with Metroid Dread, the second I beat it, I just started over because I liked it so much. I wanted to play it again. It was just that kind of game. And that's also what happened to me with Bloodborne. I started New Game Plus immediately after. Anyway, that's my spiel. Metroid Dread, solid game from start to finish. I just felt like it was extremely polished. I didn't feel like there was any filler or anything like that. It's a really, really good game. I think that's one thing we can we have uh, learned about Nintendo, right? Nintendo probably has the best polished record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. That's it. That's my number one. Moving on. All right, Reagan, you're number one. From Software Game is number one. It's uh, Demon Souls. I don't even have to say much. It's awesome. It's Demon Souls. It's a next gen version of a of an awesome game. Level design is is what it is, but the graphics are cool. And I had played Demon. Steven actually let me Demon Souls a long time ago when I had access to a PlayStation Three, and I, I I hadn't beaten the game. I had forgotten how far I made it. It turns out I made it very, very far when I was on the PlayStation 3. It's still awesome. I did beat it this time. Very cool stuff. Surprise, surprise. Everyone here is from software, pretty much fanboys. So, Robert, you're up. Well, that leads right into my number one, which is also Demon's Souls. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I, I won't say much because everyone's already talked a lot about it. Um, the only thing I wanted to express is just how much joy it gave me to plug into my PlayStation five, put on my headset and see the beautiful opening of that game, the music, 
it, it was just a joy. Every time I turned it on, I just loved being enveloped into that world. And so that's my number one. It really was so pretty. Yeah. They know how to create worlds. They're, like, they're the best. All right, Steve. Oh, number one. Oh, prepare yourselves for my number one. It is Fall Guys. Oh, Fall guys. guys. You guys Better seriously than Demon need Souls. to come play this. You really need to come play this with us. Me and Robert have had so much fun this year playing this. This has become the new Rocket League. This is like the game you play on game night. so good. Yeah, and we've been trying to get Lauren and Steve Loper and everyone else to join us, but no one will. But it looks so dumb. I'm just messing <laughs> with you guys. That's not my number one. <laughs> but oh. It was on our list last year. So I was like, I'm not, fa- I'm not doing this. You guys can talk about all you want. That is not I happening gotta for me. I got a delete fall, guys. <laughs> it looks like my uh, daughter's designed it. No, my number one is Zelda Breath of the Wild. My wife gave me that game and a Switch for Christmas three years ago. And I played a little bit of that game that year and a little bit the next year and some more this year. And it wasn't because I got bored. The honest reason I kept putting that game away is because I love that game. It is amazing. And I did not want it to end. I wanted to wait and savor it. Everything in that game is just, it's beautiful to explore. There's so many little things that they've embedded in every nook and cranny of the map. So now I really am going to share my screen and show you guys something. So I acquired everything that game you could, except for one thing. There are 900 Korok seeds in that game, and you get each one by solving some tiny little puzzle. They're scattered across the map. But I was determined to. I was like, I'm going to do every one of those because they take you to every corner of the map, and you get to see every thing that the developers have put in. It's so awesome. But it got a little tedious after a while, but I'm going to show you guys this little interactive map you can find on Zelda Dungeon, but you can log in, create an account, and anything you find, you can uncheck it. So this is what my map looks like now. <laughs> so I, you can see where I've cleared out all of the uh, Korok seeds. <laughs> so so wait, did, you're still going for the Korok seeds? No, no. I got enough to unlock, because if you get a certain number, you start to unlock uh, inventory slots. So I did enough to unlock all the inventory slots. If I were to collect the remaining 400, all you get is like poop, right? It's like a joke. Yeah, if you collect another 450, I've collected about 450. If you collect the other 450, you redeem it for a little golden Korok seed, which is basically a little Korok poop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> exactly what it Why is. would I do that? Well, it's not well, for, it's not about the trophy. It's journey before destination. Exactly. That's the thing about this game. And it's why I don't like regret. But, as but much there's as too I many of them. I'm looking at that. I don't want that. There's too many. <laughs> this is why I'm nervous about <laughs> it's getting mini map overload. Um, but yeah, so the thing about this game is it's so beautiful to find little things and to explore things they've added. And to this very day, I still follow, I hop on the Reddit. Sometimes I get um, video feeds to my, Google feed sometimes of things they're still discovering with breath of the wild. There's so much there. It's awesome. Anyways, when I, I finally beat it, it was like this kind of bittersweet moment. I was like, man, that was quite the experience, a three year gaming experience that I wasn't put away because I got bored with it. It wasn't put away because it got redundant. I literally put that game aside because I was savoring my experience. <laughs> I still think if the weapon durability was just, twice as good i'd like the game more the only thing i hated about that game is cooking that drove me absolutely crazy 
Like you have to I can just hear the the sound of it. cook them. It makes little noise. You can skip it, but it still takes forever. I just wish that you could just be like, make 20 of these and they pop it into your inventory. I, I hated that cooking mechanic. That's my least favorite part of that game. Everything else. Great. But there's no doubt that Elden Ring has taken inspiration from this game and from I've, like I've heard that. Yeah, that's Horizon like, Zero Dawn, like these open world, beautiful exploration. Games. Yeah, Elden Ring is like Breath of the Wild, but darker and meaner. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, it's going to be my favorite game of all time. <laughs> if you take my favorite game of this year and my favorite game of the last seven years, there you go. That's Elden Ring. All right, Loper, you had the final number one crowning achievement of this uh, four-hour conversation. (laughs) I know, right? My number one game this year was actually a game that I had started last year, finally finished this year, and that was Metal Gear Solid Five: Ground Zeroes of the Phantom Pain. Played it on PC, and I'll start with the cons. The cons are this was definitely a port of a console game. And being new to the series, I don't know if Snake normally jumps and climbs like he's learning how to do it for the first time ever. But the movement sometimes was a little bit of a hassle. My last con was that the side missions got repetitive after the 20th time doing one. But that's also a pro because it took a long time before anything felt repetitive, you know? This game has such a huge mini-map, and if you turned everything on, if you turned on all the plants and flowers, you know, it just Reagan wouldn't survive long enough to see Elden Ring, because this has, like, so many collectibles. And the thing is, the worst part of it, Reagan, they grow back. Like, (laughs) you pick up stuff, but then it comes back, and you can keep harvesting them over and over and over again. But that's not why I loved this game. I love this game because Kojima is an incredible storyteller. And what you guys talk about with um, like the surprises of FromSoft games, I think Konami and Kojima did an incredible job with this game because you'll be going on a mission and then all of a sudden it just sucks you into a completely different mission. And that happens a number of times in the, in the game. And they did such a good job with this game. Kind of like what I was talking about with Hitman starting out the night, how with Hitman, you had like so many ways to accomplish a mission, right? Robert, like there's all these different ways to do it. Metal gear solid five does that constantly. Like, Every single little thing that you do, just even encountering like a wandering patrol, you can handle them in so many different ways. And I was blown away by how in this game, like my four principal weapons in the game were darkness, rain, empty magazines, and cardboard boxes. (laughs) Those were the four main things that I used to accomplish all my missions because I was big time playing stealth. And so if I was playing in the daylight, I would again, light up, light up a cigar. You don't get health from the cigars, but you can pass time with, with smoking in this game. (laughs) That's been kind of a theme tonight. Smoking. Starting with Kate. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So you smoke until it gets dark and you wait until it's rainy. So they can't hear your footsteps. Like they incorporated that 
that you actually can sneak up easier on somebody in the rain because it's noisy. The rain makes noise. And that's in the game. Um, you have empty magazines and so you can throw them to distract the, the guys and have them go different places. And you were talking about how the splicers have conversations in the game. I mean, these guys have lots of conversations. And the crazy thing is that the conversations change depending on what you do. And the game reacts to what you do. So if you get too many headshots, they start wearing helmets. If you get too many body shots, they start putting on body armor. If you keep like knocking out the power, they put in extra generators and stuff. So the enemies like learn how you play and then counter you. And so if you get really accustomed to solving a mission in one way, you actually have to come back and kind of readjust your strategy because they did something to fortify their base against the exact same thing that you were doing before. Hmm. I just loved that you used noise and logical distractions to achieve your goal. And you don't even have to like go in and wipe everybody out. In fact, that's largely frowned upon because it, there's this kind of concept that there was a nice way to play. There was a right way to play. And I love games that have that because the right way to play is to basically rescue everybody you meet. There's very few enemies that you actually have to kill to win the game. You can actually knock out people fly them back to your base and recruit them and have them join your cause. I thought that was so cool. There were heavy themes of peace and war that forever follow anyone that tries to impose their will on others and that there may be control or power for a time. But if you seek power, that attracts the attention of other people who are seeking power and it can tear you down. And I love the idea that you know, peace really is only attainable through the mutual desire for peace. You can't force people to to be peaceful. Violence begets violence. And it's kind of a spoiler to go into too many details, but I love the idea that that Snake decided there was a way to seek for true world peace through anonymous quiet means. There is a place for, you know, military missions to free child soldiers, which actually comes up in the game or to stop terrorist groups from taking over small groups and governments. But I love the idea that Snake finally realizes that peace begets peace. And you can't, you can't strong arm your way into peace. You, you can't just do that because the more you fight, the more violence occurs. And I just loved that. And, but just as a game, like even not being philosophical, which Kojima totally is, but even without the philosophical place, parts of it, like this was a game that I would load up and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do this mission. And I have no idea what I'm getting into because it should just be a run of the mill mission, but he may be throwing a wrinkle in here. Maybe I have the wrong equipment and I haven't prepared well enough. And this was for me as close to a perfect game that I could imagine because it just had storytelling and the action was crisp and the, the the stealth was true and the AI was fantastic. I was genuinely nervous to go into some of these missions because I was scared of being found. And there were a couple of times where it was like everything went terrible and I had to hunker down and hide it inside the enemy base for a half an hour until the alarms went off and slowly disarm things and take out a few guys and this game was really 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 good um it was just 
it's just a fantastic game and all the reviewers i agree with you know 10 out of 10 five stars i give it all the accolades it it's it, it was by far the most complete fun meaningful whatever whatever word you want to use game for me this year it was just incredible is this the last uh, metal gear game yep it is well yep. there's that metal gear survive like knockoff after kojima left they basically built a new game off the phantom pain engine yeah it's kojima's last oh so it's the last kojima that's Metal kojima. gear yeah yeah but metal gear is a lot more action right it's not oh yeah 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 but it's plenty weird i mean oh, yeah. just even from the first the first mission you're like what what why is that guy on fire? And yeah, there's like a guy with supernatural fire power. Why is that kid like beginning? floating around? And yeah, yeah it, it gets, it gets plenty weird, plenty quick, but it actually, I mean, that was, that was one of the coolest things about that, that game and the storytelling was it was so bizarre. And I was like, what, what in the heck is all this? But it paid off, you know, it explained everything. It all made sense. If you're looking for a game to jump into action, this is not actually it. It had about a half an hour of cutscenes at the beginning of the game. <laughs> like, it's a lot of cutscenes. Cut I've heard God of War is the same way. It's a lot of cutscenes. I watched my brother play the first one way, way, way back in the day, and I couldn't. I, I it bored me to death watching. I was like, dude, you're what? You're watching movies. You're not playing a game. No, exactly. Man, my metal, Metal Gear One, Two, and Three. I didn't do four or five, but damn they were good they were good yeah i loved i i love phantom pain i was very impressed i haven't played the other ones i don't know that i ever will because i feel like well now you go backwards i don't know i'm not invested enough in the story yeah going backwards playing something worse and i don't know but there's a whole multiplayer component i didn't get into where you can like invade each other's bases i heard that's a whole nother rabbit hole that i just wasn't ready to dive into but it sounded interesting very cool there it is and after everyone who listened all the way through congratulations i'm so tired, <laughs> yeah. I'm, so tired. I'm like barely here spent more time listening to this podcast than playing some of the games we talked about 